If you hear us play the same song twice in one day, it's because we like it. The Cat 105.5. Uncle Pooh's Christmas Spectacular starring Sean Holly. There has been a huge disturbance in the force. It can only be the Pie Factory podcast. Victor Marlin. The Lion Gets. Robert Ferguson. It's a booger snot, that's for sure. This is lame and makes me a skid on the underpants of the retro gaming community. Andy Ryerson. Watch out for snakes. And Phil. This is so frustrating. You don't do that. Live from the Tinkle Pit will not be heard tonight so that we can bring you a special episode of High Factory Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what port does the butter go in? The butter goes into the import, I think. Mm. I don't know. It's imported, but you know what? I got to butter my bagel, if you know what I mean. So uh, <laughs> I do, too. So what do we do ta- that in public? Huh? Yeah, what are we talking about here? Live at Tony's at, uh, well, it's not going to be live when people hear this, but uh, Tony's in Brookfield. Why are we here? Because we drove here. That's and this good. episode of the Pie Factory Podcast is brought to you by Magnum Masonry Incorporated. Yes, Dang. they're getting this ad for free. Yes, you're welcome. Tuck so, pointing, uh, chimney repair, concrete repair, right. and but, glass uh, blocks, and oh, and snow removal. We're gonna send them a bill for that. And uh, they have free estimates. Mention this at for. <laughs> I'm not gonna read the coupon. Yeah. Although, yeah, yeah, I don't know what else is on this place, man. I don't, I don't know, but uh, mm. so anyway, we are on the plate. We were oh, here we are. You. We're at Tony's Breakfast Cafe and Family Restaurant. Open seven days a week, six a.m. to two a.m. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Ninety-four fourteen Ogden Avenue, Brookfield, Illinois. Seven zero eight three eight seven zero one five five. Or something. And it's across the street from the Galloping Ghost. <laughs> Arcade Gee, in, what a coincidence. In, uh, what town is it in? It's in, uh, uh, Brookfield. Oh, Brookfield. Brookfield, yeah. yeah. I'm surprised they don't have an ad on the placemat, actually. Yeah, that's true. Well, does he really need an ad, though? No, not really. Doc, Doc doesn't need an ad, but, uh, we're across the street from the world's largest arcade. Yeah. We're, we're an arcade video game podcast, but we're not going to be talking about video games. WTE frack. Yeah, we're burned out. Oh, okay. But, uh, anyway, actually, yeah. We're and not, full of biscuits yeah. and gravy. Mm. Yeah, uh. That's just you for know, you, uh, Victor I was listening to our old episode, and there was the one where I had a cough drop, and there was a complaint that I had candy. This is sure to drive that same person nuts. Well, we already disclaimed that we're in a restaurant, so that's true. You know, but um, so anyway, we we're uh, kind of going off track this time. We had a request actually from a listener. Um, a long distance dedication. A long distance dedication from one Mr. Phil the No Swear Gamer. Oh, Phil the No Swear Gamer, yeah. 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 We haven't talked to him in a while. We haven't. You know, we, we haven't had him on in a while. We haven't had, we've had, we had him on twice, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Genesis and 7800, I think. Did we? We had I him on the 7800 so. one. Anyway, so we got to make it up and have other people on huh. twice, too. But uh, yeah. gotta get Anyway, you. Phil said, hey, you know what you guys should do? You guys both were working in radio at one point, so why don't you like tell us about what that experience was like? Like, Do a special episode of that. So um, that's exactly what we're doing today. This is a Pipe Factory Short Bus exclusive. Mm. Or actually, we're in a restaurant, so should that be a Short Stack exclusive? That's true, except I'm not having a Short Stack, though. I'm having a Full Stack. Um, I like my pancakes. You like your pancakes well stacked? Yep. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Those pancakes are stacked, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, if you know what I'm saying. So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, our experiences in the uh, radio industry and... uh, 
It turns out that we both actually worked at the same station, but at different times. Mm -hmm. And we actually know a lot of the same people as a result. Mm -hmm. so, so we both have uh, different experiences, different times, different technologies, different, uh, to, a, to a degree, some different people. And different locales, too. Because uh, when I worked at uh, WYKT, it was uh, the station was was actually where the broadcast antenna was, which is in uh, Willington, Illinois. Well, actually, it's kind of somewhere. I, I don't really know where it was supposed to be. Our mailing address was Diamond. Mm -hmm. The legal ID, our legal ID, is that little thing you hear at the top of the hour where they tell you, you know, the call sign. So our legal ID said WYKT Wilmington, and uh, that first town they mentioned is the legally licensed city where they can broadcast out of. So our license was in Wilmington. When we were on the air, we said we were in Cole City for some reason, but the phone number had a Braidwood exchange. So we were kind of in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of nowhere, in between Braidwood, Diamond, Cole City, and Wilmington. Well, where I grew up, it was a uh, Joliet mailing address, but... Plainfield phone numbers and Plainfield schools. So. Yeah, right. But it was unincorporated Will County at the time. Hmm. I think it's still unincorporated, actually. I think it is, yeah. Um, but uh, it's, it's funny about the uh, about the towers, because for a short time, my dad actually owned an ice cream store about a half mile down, and I was actually looking to get into radio, and at the time, uh, they were actually affiliated with a radio school. And I actually really? went into the building to uh, talk to whoever was the manager at the time, and I don't remember who that was. And... Um, about it, and so I actually went in. Actually, I went in there to meet you one time too. Now that I think about it, wait, where? At the the building in Diamond. Oh, really? Oh, you I, might have. I think I did at least one time. I've been in that building a couple times. Yeah. And um, and that was in the studio I worked in. Uh, we had the nice slide potentiometer potentiometers, mm -hmm. and you had the big dial ones. In fact, I've had this idea for something that I still want to do, but I need more technical information is make some Atari 2600 paddles but using the slide potential. That would be pretty cool. And I think that would be great for like Pong and uh, and uh, Breakout and uh, Warlords. Especially Pong because it, since it's slide I mean you can mm -hmm. you do it left and right but then oh, yeah. you can ver do it vertically too and be a little be a little bit more representative. Yeah. I'm told that the slide potentiometers uh, potentiometers whatever they're called I'll just pronounce Pots. them Pots. We call they, them pots. That's true. That's and what we thing, did. Yeah, they had the. I, I walked in the first day I went in there, like for my interview, and I saw this like, like it couldn't have been any newer than early seventies. I was like, oh my god, you guys are still using rotary pots, <laughs> and because uh, like where where my first was at the college station at uh, St. Francis and Joliet, we had pretty up to date technology like, for. Uh, it, it wasn't the most up to date, but we had slide faders and all that. We actually did. Uh, the rotary pots, actually that console was thrown out eventually, like probably within maybe a few months when I started there, and we got a modern up-to-date slide fader console. I remember um, I went to Olivet Nazarene University in uh, Bourbonnais for broadcasting, and uh, we actually had some pretty good equipment too, but we were private college. Well, St. Francis was oh, private yeah. too. Oh, yeah, it's a like Franciscan but, uh, Catholic But we had uh, pretty good uh, equipment there. We had an Akai four-track hard drive recorder. Oh. Those are awesome. That was neat. Yeah. That was awesome to use. I took, in one of the classes, we were doing editing of audio, radio, duh, and um, I took the song uh, Let Em In by Paul McCartney, and I shortened the intro. Uh, technically, it's wings, but... Hey. Well, I shortened the intro, and the edit was so good that the uh, that the, the, the professor came to me and was like, 
Did you edit this? I don't hear any sort of edit whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah, um, when I went into I, my first radio experience, like I said, was at the College of St. Francis. <laughs> now, university. It was, it was university, like, right after I graduated. Uh, but we didn't have digital technology. We did our editing on Reel to Reel. That was so much fun. It really was, at least for me. The way you edit reel to reel is there's this magnetic editing bar that you actually stick the uh, the piece of tape in, and there are two different cuts on there. There's like a, a vertical cut, which is made primarily for speech, and then there is a uh, angled cut so that the the tape would cut at an angle so that the mu- that's made for music, and the music would kind of blend together and you wouldn't hear a sudden stop in the music. And then you'd use uh, editing tape to tape the two things together. That was always fun. And uh, I remember when I did my when I went into uh, WIKT, the cat, for my interview, talked to Rick Ferguson, whom we mentioned in episode zero of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and uh, he told me, he said, you know, if you really want to, we do have reel to reel. You can edit with cut and splice. Oh yeah, 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 yeah we are. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you. He said you can do cut and splice editing if you want, but. We do digital editing here. We have the Akai hard drive. He said, once you learn how to do digital editing, you're never going to want to go back to cut and splice. And I, uh, we had uh, our afternoon person at the time. Her name was Marielle Salas. She was really good there. She was also the music director who, uh, in case you don't know, the music director at a radio station is in charge of the music that actually gets put out over the air. Hence, music director. Exactly. Um, not all stations have that. If they don't, usually the program director, who's essentially in charge of the who goes on the air. You, sometimes the, pro, the program director takes that duty. <laughs> duty. But um, Marielle showed me how to do uh, digital editing on the Akai, and it was the most amazing thing in the world. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Truth be told, I still love cut and splice editing to this day. So Rick was part right, but hey. I remember I actually came into the uh, the studio one time when you were at CSF, and um, oh yeah, I remember. And that. I saw you, uh, you know, I saw you like marking the uh, the, the the tape with uh, with like crayon or yeah, it's a wax or pencil, yeah. yeah. And then uh, putting it through the slicing machine and everything, and it was still pretty it sounded pretty good. Mm-hmm. But it's like once you go digital, it <laughs> once you go digital, you don't go back. <laughs> oh man, that rhymes. That was really good. <laughs> yeah, no. But the. Um, I'd be surprised if there were a lot of radio stations still did the cut and slice splice because it's these days uh, computer. Can I get another iced tea, please? Thank you very much. Um, because these days with computers like really, really cheap oh, yeah. and all that, and with Audacity being free, mm-hmm. yep. I mean, why why go to the cut and splice? It's a, a huge pain in the ass, and it's just like easier. Oh, I disagree Plus you with can, Well, I mean, you can also add a bunch of effects and stuff too. Like pretty easily and quickly. Yeah. yeah. But you, th- you disagree that it's easier? Oh, I don't disagree with it that it's easier. I just disagree with it being a pain in the ass. It's a lot oh. of fun, I think. Well. So, hey, you talked about, like, your interest in radio at first, so I might as well talk about mine. Um, when I went to college, I actually went to study computer science, and I got zero guidance as to how to deal with college at all. It turned out that where I went to college, yeah, I'm defaming my alma mater, essentially. They had a really terrible computer program. It was awful. And uh, long story short, I switched majors to communications, which they called journalism, because I also kind of wanted to try radio. So I figured, you know, instead of transferring to a school that maybe had a better computer science program, (laughs) well, partly because I would have lost a scholarship, so... 
and that's one of the reasons I don't have student loans. Any, I have not had student loans from that college for a long okay. time. How did you get a scholarship? ACT score. Oh, okay. That's why I didn't get a scholarship. ACT I had student score. loans for a real long time. Yeah. ACT score plus I worked for the college football team, which they paid me in a fifteen hundred dollar year scholarship. Oh wow. So maybe uh, I should have worked in sports, even though I know nothing about. Yeah. Oh, and I'll, I'll have to get back to that a little later in this episode, <laughs> by the way. But um, the thing is, people always told me I had a good voice for radio, so I was like, you know, let me try it. You got a good face for it, too. I have a, that my face is perfect for radio. But um, Like I got room to talk. And uh, in uh, College of St. Francis, they had a pretty good journalism program, I have to say. So uh, I, uh, during college orientation weekend, Jim and I, we have a mutual friend, Andy. He went to that same college, and we both hung out together during that orientation weekend. We both tried out um, a demonstration radio class for that weekend, and we really liked it. And had a lot of fun when uh, they taught us like how... I remember the guy who was on the air at the time. His name was Scott Delaney. We, we dropped in on his... Uh, he Basically, this little demo class, we dropped in on his broadcast. And between songs, he was telling me, guys, seriously, this is the easiest thing in the world. It'll take you maybe two weeks tops to learn everything about the console. And all you got to do is play CDs and talk. That's all you do. And uh, he's still in radio to this day. I know Play that, CDs so. of ACDC. It, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, R.I.P., um Oh, what was it? not Malcolm Young? Um, no, it was. Was it Angus Young? No, it was Malcolm Young. It was Malcolm. Oh, that's right. Angus, yeah, is still Angus yeah. yeah. But uh, I like ACDC. And uh, that t- I remember that day I got to read the news. Like Scott had me read the, the the news on the air, and he dropped a little like newsroom sound effect in the background. I don't remember much about that other than that I I was I was kind of nervous because he was talking to, talking to us about how there's a potential of a hundred thousand people tuning in. And that, and I never, I, to this day, I don't fear public speaking. But when you stick that number in front of somebody, it's kind of a wake up call. It's like, yeah, you're talking to a buttload of people, possibly. You know, I, I do remember, remember I had oh. to say Azerbaijani a lot. Azerbaijani. This was 1992, so yeah. I do big... remember. Um, I was mostly on the uh, the college radio station that you could only get on campus at Olivet W O N U or. The campus radio station was U54. It was a Christian station. I was only on air in the Chicago area one time, and that was, um, well, when you heard my voice on that station, and that was uh, Thanksgiving Day because I couldn't get anyone else to fill a slot. So Hmm. I was there. I mean, eventually I went on and uh, got, well, you know, as far as my interest in radio goes, though, I'd always been interested in it, but because of one year when I was younger, I had gotten a, uh, a cassette recorder for Christmas, and I would put a blank tape in there and pretend I was doing my own radio station all the time. Hmm. And um, I think everybody's done. Well, that, yeah, so, that's yeah. true, but it, it kind of stuck. I'm like, oh, this is, sounds like it could be kind of fun, and uh, that's where I got that from. But um, one of the best things I ever learned in my life actually came from my broadcasting professor. I might have mentioned this on the podcast normally before, but um, I was talking to him and complaining about how uh, local Chicago station WCKG uh, seemed to play the song Casey Jones by the Grateful Dead Hmm. every day at 2.15. And he told me, your perception is your reality. I know I've heard you mention it. might have been on the podcast, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, that is one of the two wisest things I have ever heard in my life. The other was my from my political science professor at Joliet Junior College, which was uh, common sense isn't always common. Hmm. 
So yeah, those are the, the two wisest things I ever heard in my life. But uh, I remember my professor, his name was Bill DeWeese. And um, I went there with, uh, again, a mutual friend, uh, Matthew Horn. He talked me into uh, going to college down there. And whose on-air name was Matthew Roberts, if I remember correctly. I believe so. Yeah, but come on. I mean, Matthew Horn, that's, I don't think that's wrong. a bad name. I have a theory as to, I'm, uh, sadly, he, he I, he's not here to confirm anymore. Um, but um, my theory is that he chose to use his middle name and pluralize it to because, like, I know that he wanted to eventually be an evangelist, so he might have wanted to get that Oral Roberts, Matthew Roberts, or kind of maybe thing he just going. didn't want people to track him down because there's a lot of that too. too. Yeah, because there's there is stalkers and stuff in radio. And oh, yeah. I mean, it's not as bad as I think, but um, <laughs> I remember one time, uh, me and my wife and I don't remember who else went to see a live taping of the uh, Rocon and oh, Gary Meyer show yeah. at the Rialto in jo- Rialto Square Theater in Joliet probably the most beautiful theater in the Midwest if Very not nice the country theater. and um, they were of course serving adult beverages and this one chick got so sloshed she was up by the stage all the time and Ro and Gary kept trying to get rid of her I, I don't know I don't remember if they eventually had security take her out or whatever but she was like really harassing him but I mean, play Misty for me, the uh, the Clint Eastwood movie. Mm-hmm. It does happen, although not as often as you would think. But it does happen. But oh yeah, at WCSF, like one of our, like, like uh, I remember her, she went by the name Mean Jean. She was actually getting letters from prisoners. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> and really, I mean, a lot of people you hear on the air, they're not. A lot of them don't really use their real names. Like I know Kevin Matthews, who was one of my my radio idols. That's not his real name. That doesn't surprise it's me. It's like Kevin Benier or something like yeah. that. I only recently found that found that out. I think even Larry Lujek was not his real name. Hmm. And, like, and, and uh, where I worked at the Cat, a lot of I realized a lot of people because all right, here's the thing: it used to be that you would have to have a license to be a air, to be uh, an FCC license to be air talent. Sometime in 1993, the FCC started to deregulate itself, and they took away that requirement, so you no longer needed a separate license. I'll be back with ice. Thank you. And uh, it was a cheap, it was only like a $10 fee anyway, but still. Um, one day when I was at the Cat, and uh, I was just kind of walking around, looking around, and I saw somewhere in the back, there was like a bulletin board that had like people's licenses back from when they required, they needed to have licenses. I realized Mick Oliver's real, he, he was one of our jocks on uh, the weekend right, right before me. He used his real name. And uh, Vicky LeBrock. Who, she was a very heavy metal chick. She was she was one of the nicest people too. Do you know her? Do you, do I, the name sounds familiar. Yeah, but and I was like, I never. There's this girl named Vicky LeBrock, but I don't see anybody by that name on the phone number list here. There's another Vicky here with like hard to pronounce name with an L, and I realized that's the same person. You know, from looking at the license, like, oh, okay, yeah, because probably like, the French spelling of LeBrock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah, like broke. It's, it's a lot easier. And then Mar- I, I mentioned Marielle Salas any, uh, earlier because I saw her full name. I was like, oh my god, that's not a real name. It's like eighteen thousand syllables. It's like okay, now Salas. I know why. <laughs> it's like okay, that, and I, I feel embarrassed though because I met her parents once. Her parents stopped by once, and I, hey, Mr. Miss Salas, nice to meet you. That wasn't their name. So. <laughs> <laughs> they looking around their shoulder. Huh? Hmm? Who's that? <laughs> and the thing is, I didn't like using my real name. I didn't care if anybody knew my name. It just didn't sound good over the year. Yeah, like my my real last name. I mean, I used it, but it's like Goble. I'm like, like 
It's like I, John Courtney. That's why ben, I use yeah. Jimmy G. And I the, like the sound of that. What happened though? One day, some we hired a guy named uh, a weekend guy named Lenny Svoboda. Oh, used, I know him. Yeah, he used to be on WJOL actually. Yeah. He and Julie Fox, also from WJOL, both moved over to the Cat at the same time. And Julie Fox actually used to co-host the morning show that uh, Mike Tamano, who was a who Julie been, Fox, is that a real name? I think it was a real name. I don't know if it's the same as the Comptroller candidate. From, oh, okay. From before, I was going to say. Uh, I don't know. She was really nice, too. But uh, Anyway, uh, Lenny Svoboda, I, he was on the air right before me. My shift kept getting moved around. Like Sometimes I'd do like, late Saturday mornings. Sometimes they'd move me to like Saturday afternoons. But uh, I came in one Saturday afternoon, I think, and Lenny was still on the air. And he was just about to go off, and he said, and coming up next, we have Screaming Sean. <laughs> so I, I just took on to that. So right at that moment, I just kind of reflexively just let out this blood-curdling scream. <laughs> and uh, that, I just, it I'm just in a st- restaurant, otherwise I would have done yeah. the, a blood-curdling yeah. scream. So I just kept that for the rest of my career, really the rest of my radio career. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I remember Mike Tamano, again, he was our morning show guy in... Uh, he had become our program director, so he was my boss at the time. He loved that because he's like, that is the exact opposite of what you are. <laughs> so he said, I kind of like that. Keep, keep going with that. Mike Tomano, another guy we both know. Um, thank you very much. Nope. Yeah, he's a guy that he and I, our political system, a, a billion percent different. And he was always really, really good to me. He always was. And I was just, you know, weekend guy. No one knew me, but he, I've he always treated me really well. A lot closer to him as far as political goes, but there's a lot I still disagree with him on. But uh, again, he's a real nice guy. Uh, very close friends with Ted Nugent. Um, oh yeah, he's actually been to Ted Nugent's ranch in Michigan quite a few times. They met at a gun show, of course. Yeah, if you know nothing about Mike Tamano, you will know that he worships Ted Nugent. Like, but here's the thing with Mike. He um, very talented guy. He does oh, yeah. uh, he does uh, comedy. He plays mm-hmm. instruments, and he has this uh, charity he runs. It's a uh, outdoor program. I did not know that. Yeah, it's um, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it's an outdoor program for uh, for kids, um, and it's uh, it's in Braidwood, and they teach uh, archery and hunting and, and stuff mm. like that for kids, fishing, all the all this outdoor sportsman stuff, and <sighs> trout dog, trout dog. That's what it's called. Uh, Link in the show notes. <laughs> Link in the show notes. Yeah, he's really involved with that. And, um, of course, every episode of Pie Factory, we talk, we uh, mention uh, Tuiville and Steve Tui. Yeah. And uh, they, uh, Mike Tomano and Steve Tui, actually had a morning show on WKAN. Oh, really? Uh, for a while. They actually won the uh, Illinois Broadcasting Association Silver that. Microphone Award. Oh, or whatever that's they call awesome. It. Yeah. And uh, they, were, they had, at one time, the best morning show in the state of Illinois on wow. the little station in Kankakee. That's awesome. They were they were really good together. Um, yeah, I'd when love I st- to hear them together again. But uh, when I started shopping around for like radio stations to apply to, like I listened to the cat and I like he and Tom- like Tui and Tomano were doing their their morning show. Like when I was trying to pimp myself around getting a radio job, and I loved it. I loved their morning show, and one of the first things I said when I went in for my job interview was, "Can I meet?" I meet those guys, and they weren't in, of course. So, but yeah, and I, I remember Steve was repeatedly fired, sometimes over the air. Like uh, the general manager, who I'm just going to refer to as Bruce. They used to play this this phone, this little bits bits of the phone call bits, this little bit of the phone call back on their show all the time. Steve's fired. Goodbye. <laughs> and uh, I remember one time, just to 
piss off Bruce. Like one of the times that Steve got fired. And uh, at the end of the show, like he, he finished up the show, he talked to Bruce. He's like, hey, I'm going to have a, a, a guest on the program tomorrow. Is that okay? He's like, yeah, that's fine. And who was the guest? Steve too. <laughs> awesome. It's um and I remember they they got suspended once. I don't I don't really know the whole story, but it had something to do with like a like kind of a April Fools joke or something where they were like they did a remote from a cemetery and claimed they oh, were geez. digging up a body or something. I don't know, but they got suspended. For oh, that's that. awesome. I remember one time I was listening to their show and um this is when I was working for them. They were uh, one of them did a remote from the refrigerator in the employee break room. Oh, that's and they're awesome. rifling through it. And I had to call in, and I was like, is the is the uh, pancake platter with uh, sausage that's been in the refrigerator for like six weeks still there? <laughs> <laughs> and of course it was. And they're like, well, if you saw it in there, you wanted to eat it. Why didn't you eat it? I'm like, well, it's not mine. And besides, who knows? <laughs> who yeah. knows how long it's been in there? That was brilliant radio. Of course, what I want to know is like, did they use, like, an actual remote antenna for that, or did they use, like, a remote cell phone uh, I think that? they used the remote cell phone. Oh, they, my God. Uh, most, a lot of the stuff <laughs> in the later in the later time I was there, they did a lot from what they called the blue box, which was just a cell phone. Mm-hmm. I remember one time I actually got permission from uh, Mike Tamano to uh, take uh, my daughter's Girl Scout troop on a tour of the radio station. It lasted all, like, 15 minutes. There's not much yeah. to see, really. I mean, mm-hmm. here's the microphone, here's the board to take them in back. This is where we get our weather. This is the blue box. This oh, is the sends a signal to the satellite. See you all later. Oh, yeah, these desks are for the salespeople. <laughs> and, um, but that's the thing with small town radio is, yeah. um, like, Mike Tamano was at one time the general manager. Oh, really? And he was accounts. And uh, he did. He was maintenance. And then Steve Tui was uh, was like a music director yeah. and accounts. And and then you, you wear multiple hats in small town radio. Yeah. And the thing is, you kind of have to. Yeah. Because radio does not pay unless you're like. As Eddie. I say. Yeah. There's no money in radio unless your last name happens to be Stern or Limbaugh. Yeah, pretty much. Like at a major market station, you probably make a lot of money. Medium market, maybe and maybe enough to live on. Small market, uh-uh. So a lot of the people we had at the cat, the full timers, they doubled as like sales and other things. Because sales, you'll make good money because you get commission and everything. So I know Tamana was doing sales. I think Marielle was doing sales. Tim Lamping doubled up as, uh, oh god, Tim Lamping. Oh the, yeah, I worked with him too. He's he's interesting. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's this, quiet. This guy was a. Probably still is actually a walking. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. And um, he was <laughs> no a, rush. We'll pay it in a week. <laughs> he was a walking rock and roll encyclopedia. He seriously was. Like there was one time, some when I was on the air, somebody called. I had played. Um, I think it was "Burning for You" by Blue Oyster. It was a Blue Oyster Cult song. I'm pretty sure it's Blue. It's, it was "Burning for You," which is better than "Don't Fear the Reaper." I but think. Uh, it's pretty much the same song. Let's be honest. I like honest. it better. But uh, we didn't. We weren't playing it off a CD though. For some reason, I had to play it off a cart. And uh, <laughs> and right after I played it, somebody called up and said, "Hey, what album is that from?" And I said, "You know what? I don't know. Um, just keep listening. I'll try to find out for you. And if I can find out, I'll say it over the air." And Bruce happened to walk by. I said, hey, Bruce, you know uh, what, what album this is from? He said, I, he said, call Tim Lamping. He'll know. So I called him I called him up, and he, he was home. He answered the phone. He said, hey, Tim, uh, it's Sean. I'm over at the station. Uh, somebody wants to know what album uh, 
uh, Burning for You was on. He's like, oh, that'd be Fire of Unknown Origin. I was like, thank you. <laughs> and I think he started to go on and on and on about the recording history of it, too, and I hung up before he could finish. Um, did I ever and, tell on the podcast my story about how I met Steve Toohey? I don't think so. Oh, God. Okay. This is, again, I was part-time. I had to come in. At the time, the only, my, really, on the WKANWXNUWYKT, I pretty much only ran the commercials for NASCAR and uh, for a while did the Sunday morning shows, which actually included running the tape for the Jesse Jackson show, which I had to turn the audio all the way down in the studio. Um, But um, what happened was I was coming in, I was off of my day job, which was tech support, but I was in a really piss poor mood. And I came into the studio and the keyboard was in the wrong place and the people didn't put the microphones back and I couldn't find the mouse and anything and I was already in a bad mood and I started going off and I was yelling and whatever and then Steve Toohey barges into the room and he goes, you look, shut up and calm down. You get through this or something like that and I, he was like really, he was, and, and he was like, he was really mad at me because I was being, a, let's be honest, I was being a total so he had every right to be mad at me, and <laughs> that's how I met Steve Dewey. Oh, he's 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 actually the nicest guy in the world. I just happened to uh, be an asshole that day and every day before and after. Honestly, so. honestly, to this day, I think I have spent a grand total of twelve seconds with Steve Dewey. Oh, we got to like, rectify that. No, oh, okay, because the thing is, like when I started, that was like a, during one of his most recent firings. <laughs> so he wasn't, and, and I know that uh, Mike had gotten a new co. I think that's when Julie Fox came in, uh-huh. and then and then eventually like Peter Adams, aka Timberdoodle or Hufferpool. He called him all kinds of things, but uh, Peter Adams took over, and I think Flounder, aka Jeff Finan, was uh, co-hosting the the show with Mike. But uh, I think he came in once during one of my last shifts just to grab something. I think he was hired back or something. It was different management at the time too, so that kind of helped. No, seriously, Steve is Steve and Mike are really the nicest guy in the world. They helped us out a lot. Steve too, he's helping us out a lot right now with mm-hmm. the podcast. He don't generously donates uh, time to us around noonish on Sunday for uh, Pie Factory. Yeah, thank you, Steve. And, uh, but yeah, they're they're the greatest guys. The, the the funny thing is, is that I graduated from college. Well, I didn't graduate. I actually dropped out because I got married. And then, so oh, yeah, start, sense, does it? yeah, married, <laughs> raised kids. And like five, six years later, I'm like, I went to school for radio, and I'm not doing anything with it. I might as well throw together a demo tape and send it to a local radio station. Mike Tomano heard it and hired me for uh, basically just commercials for NASCAR. Um, I did actually, now that I think about it, I did also do... Uh, actually, yeah, thank yeah. you. And uh, I actually did now that I think about it, run commercials also for local sports, and I really wish I remembered the name of the guy who did the um, local high school sports on WKAN, because uh. he really liked me. We got along really well, and after after I left, he's like, if you ever need a job in radio, uh, just put me down as a reference. Awesome. And uh, he, oh, God, I wish I remembered what his name was. He was so... He was such an awesome guy. Maybe Steve Toohey uh, would remember the guy's name for me. And I did, like I said, NASCAR. And I also ran commercials for uh, local remotes, um, that sort of thing. But the, but it was mostly the NASCAR because they didn't have any. And this, they didn't have automation uh, for that. Oh, but, yeah. um, but here's the thing. We were t- saying a moment ago that there's no money in radio, which is true, especially in the small markets. When I got hired on... They were doing what is known as day parting, oh, which yeah. is uh, contracting out 
the talent to uh, a company, hmm. and uh, they would record all of the drops and whatever. And uh, I always thought it ironic that WKAN had part some of their stuff done from a uh, was departed from a company in Omaha, and. Um, uh, the radio station was using, WKAN was using the slogan, live and local, and this Omaha station would record it and they would use, they would drop the phrase live and local. Come to find out, that was actually the catchphrase of the day parting company. Ah. And I thought it interesting too, though, because if there was a tornado warning or some something like that, they would actually do the warning too. So hmm. I'm thinking they were just broadcasting live from there and having it come over, which still could be cheaper because... Yeah. Who knows how hard they're working, uh, the announcers out there. Um, well, it's kind of like how I, the radio instructor that I had in college, who was also my advisor, his name's Bob Zach, who's a radio Bob nerd Zach. to this day. And uh, he was telling us how he, how a satellite service had hired him to do voiceovers. And then they came to him and they said, we want you to do weather, too. And he's like, how am I going to do that? Well, the solution was he had to record every conceivable weather combination, and they would edit it together. Partly oh, cloud with a high 90. It reminds me of that bit on Saturday Night Live. Dana Carvey was playing, like, Tom Brokaw or something. Oh, he yeah. was going on vacation. Yep. The obituaries. They, had the, the, they recorded all the obituaries <laughs> for Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford died. Gerald Ford was eaten alive by wolves today. He was delicious. <laughs> Gerald Ford walked into the prop of an airplane today, and they were just going on. That was one of the that was one of the best bits they ever did on that show. <laughs> Especially if you're in any sort of broadcasting, you can appreciate it's, it more. It's funny because it's true. Oh, and it, might I add? WKRP in Cincinnati was a uh, documentary. I well, it has. Uh, there are a lot of things that I have a problem with in that show. Well, I I know, I know. I mean, first of all, they for the most part, my experience, it was a documentary. Uh, well, that's the thing. Our mutual friend Cracker Jack, he actually knew Rick Ferguson too, and he would hang out at the station sometimes. He's like, dude, this is WKRP. <laughs> but the thing is about WKRP. First of all, I don't remember anybody ever wearing headphones. You have to wear headphones when you're talking on the air. Well, uh, that might just be that might just be uh, because of the fact that they're recording live in a TV studio. Um, so, there might be something to do with that, possibly. possibly. I don't know. I don't know. But maybe. They, not. Although I know I saw Johnny Fever always having the headphones okay, around his true. neck and that too. Yeah. Though, so. And the thing is, I'll tell you exactly why you want headphones on. I learned the first time I was ever on the cat when the. Rick called me up and he said, hey, we want you to fill... Marielle has to leave early, so we want you to fill in for her last hour if you can. And uh, the last... Right before I, before I signed off, before I think it was Tim Lamping coming in next, and uh, Rick said, you know, why, why, don't you, why don't you just say something? He said, you can, you can just like, like you can intro the next song. So I was about to leave. I was like, okay. So I, t I turned the microphone on and I didn't have my headphones on. A friend of mine who was listening to me said... I could barely hear you. So I thought the mic was turned up a lot, yeah. you know. But you well, that's the thing. Have in the studio, this, the, the thing with the studio is um, they have speakers in there. Oh yeah. Um, and you can't have that turned up loud because then you get uh, feedback. Uh, and actually, seriously, if you want a good example, listen to the feedback section. Listen to the feedback section of uh, the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast, the third one. When he does the feedback section, you can hear kind of a, he, when he says feedback. Oh, yeah. How it's kind of got like that. Yeah, he's got the, the reverb. He, that's, ki that's a low level of what feedback sounds like. 
Yeah. If you he turn the volume took way that up, from Helter Skelter, by the way. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, I don't did not know that. Yeah. But if you turn it up loud, it just turns into like this one ear piercing tone. Oh yeah. Yeah. You. Um, everybody knows with that. Everybody's, everybody's experienced that. But yeah, what happens is typically in a, in a normal radio station, include and not only a normal one, but the ones that Jim and I have worked for, but. Um, you turn the microphone on, the speakers automatically cut out, and the, and the and there's a big on-air sign outside the studio. Basically, yeah. tells people like that don't, should like, light up, but doesn't yeah. always. Yeah, it tells people like don't walk in right now, or if you have to, be very quiet. You know, but and, and another thing I had um, that that it was just glaring about WKRP. Why was the morning guy and the night guy? Why were they together a lot? That just doesn't happen. They're 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 two completely different times of day. Yet uh, depends on if the night guy, what part of the night? If he was from midnight to six, they might spend an hour story, or store, you know. an hour or so in the morning. Yeah, and that's but true. you're true. You're right. Yeah. You do have a good point. And I never thought of this until just like in the past month or two. There was no soundproofing in that. St- it was in a glass room. No soundproofing, no audio baffling. Again, that could be because of the fact that they're in a TV studio and that might interfere with the uh, the video recording somehow, the audio. Well, they could at least made it look, made something that looked uh, like True, you know, true. But I, I'm, I mean, you got to give them some sort of artistic license. But the, act, the way that people acted and the actual operation uh, was pretty dang close to my experience. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the only exception is they had uh, a separate sales guy, which, uh, like I was saying before, everybody did sales for the most part. Oh, we did. Well, at least when I was there, there were separate salespeople. Were Not when I was there. Sales, they sales moved people. from uh, a, a really big place in downtown Kankakee to a smaller place in uh, uh, Meadowview. That, in Meadowview, yeah. That was where my mother's dentist was when we lived there in the, yeah. in the late 70s, Uh-oh. early 80s. We got a birthday party. Oh, thankfully, this song is now copyright free, so we don't have to like edit. Oh God, out. that was a great. That was. I am glad to see Warner Brothers get get it stuck to all of that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, what was I going? Oh yeah, and uh, but but yeah, like when I was at WYKT, the Cat, like it was. We were at that little dumpy studio station, that, that, which still exists. I think they still use that tower. I think oh, they, they definitely use yeah. that tower because I remember when I was working for KAN. Uh, Mike Tamano was actually looking for people to help him go out over there to clean uh, clean stuff out of there. Oh, really? And uh, I couldn't do it because they were doing it while I was at my my day job. Mm. But um, but yeah, no, they, they they well at least when I was there, which wow, I've been out of radio for like eight years now. They were still using that tower. Yeah, they probably still are. Oh yeah, I'm sure they are because even like. Not long after I moved to New Jersey and obviously had to quit that job, they had moved to downtown Joliet, and they were in the same building as the Rialto Square Theater. Now, that was the cat, which was later bought by Star Radio. That Star and, Radio had already bought that. Oh, had they? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because Star yeah. Radio owns KANYKT, and while yeah. I was working at KANYKT, they started up a new station, WXNU, which is country, which yeah, I, I worked on there yeah, once I, or twice. And I do want to talk about the Star Radio takeover, too. But, uh, but yeah, because, like, I'd come back home to, I'd come back to visit my folks in Joliet, and I went, and uh, I had heard that the cat had moved to the Rialto Square Theater. It's like, dude, why couldn't they have done that when I still live there? I could have walked there <laughs> instead of driving all the way to freaking Wilmington. And they did the uh, street side studio thing where the studio was literally right there in the street window. 
kind of like how WGN does up in Chicago in the well, Tribune Well, actually, the, uh, there's a couple of TV stations in Chicago do that, too. ABC's got their showcase oh, yeah. studio on State Street. And actually, one time we were down there while they were recording. Uh, the, or not the recording. They were actually doing the news. And the weather guy was outside, and he actually interviewed my son. Oh, well, oh that's right. I remember And I got that. the tape at home somewhere, and I've, I really got to get that converted to DVD. And he's like, and, uh, so let's ask this guy over here, this, this little guy over here. Um, uh, do you like snow? Yeah. Why do you like it? Because I do. <laughs> That's classic Palin. I can just hear him say, because I do. I and he goes, and he goes uh, well, I can't argue with that. <laughs> but yeah, and, I, and, I, and uh, Tim Lamping happened to be on the air that day when I was there. And of course, I was wearing, uh, I remember I was wearing a black Beatles t-shirt and it just had the word mono in the front. It was in the same font as the British Beatles albums that told you mono or stereo at the top. And, of course, Tim had to start lecturing me about, oh, yes, that's the same font that's on the parlophone of issues of this. And that. he's going on and on for 10 hours. Oh, okay, so wait a minute. He's actually not knowledgeable about music. He's knowledgeable about fonts. Well, if it's related to music, oh. yes. <laughs> well, that was the first album to use Comic yeah. Sans. Yeah, and my, and my wife was with me. I was like, yep, dear, this is exactly the Tim that I remember. And he was telling me how they were still using the tower in Wilmington. It was just connected by a T1 line. A couple of years a T, ago. Was it a T1 or a T3? I think it was a T1. About three years ago, uh, in November, a tornado ripped through uh, the Coal City area. It went yeah. right up Interstate 55. Just once? Well, uh, about uh, a year and a like half which, later, a year and a half later, uh, another tornado ripped through Coal City. Just one? Two. There were two. Well, Just two? <laughs> but this tornado actually went right next to the uh, YKT antenna. Oh, really? And uh, it, it stood. Uh, no yeah. uh, no problems. So I thought that was really kind yeah. of... Oh, and a fun fact for you. The... Holy cow, that guy behind the bar is wearing the same sort of... Wearing a shirt that I own. I own that same shirt. Oh, that same you? exact one. He's Are you sure you own it? Oh. I might be renting it. Oh, or maybe it was stolen and now he owns it. But, but anyway. he's got a gold chain, which makes it look good. But I, speaking that, of... Now that, that bit there, that's classic radio. <laughs> it's... So, yeah. But um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, the, uh, the, the uh, little fun trivia about the uh, WYKT Tower. Uh, they had built that probably a, a year within my tenure there because we had a shorter tower. And they built a 500-foot tower to replace it. And uh, the thing about that is that the 500-foot tower, that was the tallest legally allowed height you could have a tower within two miles of a major highway. And, of oh, course, wow. Interstate 55 was right there. Right there. So Literally course, within a quarter mile. Yeah. In fact, that's what Rick Ferguson told me when he gave me directions to the station. When oh, he wow. Said, when he, told, he said, and we're a quarter mile down the road from 55, so you'll, you'll see us and... Um, but yeah, so that was the tallest allowable tower. So. Wow. There's a, it's in um, Nebraska, I think, maybe it's North Dakota, as the large tallest freestanding structure in the United States. It's a radio tower, it's about a mile tall. And there was this video I saw on YouTube, this video I saw on YouTube of the guy climbing the tower to change the light bulb. Oh, jeez. And I'm like, holy, and it's just, like, like you, like you, like you see, it's just like the triangle girders going straight up with the cables holding it. And I like thinking, holy cow! One of the guys that I know um, who actually ran for it was either senator or secretary of state on the Illinois Libertarian, Libertarian Party. Yeah, say, he lives right over here in uh, <laughs> right over in uh, in like Lockport, Romeoville. 
Uh, that's actually his business. He climbs these towers to change the light bulbs. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And by the way, um, I don't know if this is still the case, but at least when I was in radio, which was uh, the early to late 90s, you you were record like whoever was on the air or somebody at the station who they had to go out and look at the tower every night and make sure that it was lit. Oh wow. And if it's and uh, it, this is a there was a note from somebody at the station explaining this I, I saw I, I found like posted up. I think Mariella might have written it or maybe maybe Tomano did, I don't know. But that that was the law. You had to make sure that it was lit and if the light was burnt out, you had to call I think it was the FAA and let them know for obvious reason yeah according to this note they would say okay well thank you for informing us you have 30 days to fix that or we're finding you fifty thousand dollars here's a fun fact uh in the state of illinois there's only like three or four people that change the light bulbs in all of the towers that's that's what i heard when i was working at ykt oh man They, they cover the whole state well i would imagine light bulbs are probably made to not go out I mean, they're probably made for long life, oh, just yeah, so they don't, because that would be a pain in the ass and expensive to replace. Yeah. And um, so there wouldn't really be a huge need for them. Yeah, there's only like a few people that do it. Yeah, so that was one requirement. I think another requirement, I don't remember if this was multiple times a day or just once a day, where you someone at the station would have to go and like read the meter on the, on the uh, transmitter. There was usually like a box inside the station with a bunch of dials, and you'd turn the dials and then uh, write down the numbers that would pop up on the on the meters and everything and um, you, you would have to do there was an FCC requirement and when the FCC started to deregulate themselves they kind of eased up on that and required it like only three times a week and I had asked uh, Rick Ferguson about that when I interviewed because I had to do that all the time at WCSF I was like you know where's the how do we do the 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 transmitter reading and said, oh, we have a service that does that. So, I was like, oh, okay. Oh, you know, hey, here's a question for you. When you were on radio, did you ever have to read, like, tornado warnings or I stuff never, like that? There never was. I don't think there ever was one when I was on the air. We had one. <laughs> and um, I was just told when I started, if there's a tornado warning or whatever, here's the book, just read from that. And um, it happened one time we got a tornado warning because a funnel was spotted, oh, wow. like, just west of Bourbon A or something. I got a lot of tornado stories of close misses, actually. But um, what happened was I heard a tornado warning come through. Then I get really got really nervous. And I'm like As thinking, where's the tornado? And then here's the book. And, I, and I'm opening it up. And I, I'm reading from the, the, the book. And I'm like really nervous. And I'm like unsure really what to do. Should I be doing this or whatever? Is Mike coming in or whatever? Then I got a phone call from Mike Tamano. He's like, the weather service uh, basically canceled the tornado warning. Uh, it was just a cold, uh, a cold uh, weather funnel, which is a, a phenomenon you see out here from some time. It looks like a tornado, but it's not a tornado. Huh. Here's a fun fact about tornadoes. You don't always see the funnel cloud. Oh. You only yeah. see the funnel cloud if there's enough moisture, because that's a condensation that's funnel. That's true, yeah. Yeah, there's huh. not always a funnel cloud. That's freaky. I know. Man. But I do have, this isn't, this didn't happen to me. I don't know who it was, but I remember back when I was on the college station, Bob Zach was telling us about how one time uh, there was a tornado warning and the guy, wh- whoever the guy was who was on the air at the time panicked, like freaked out, put on Stairway to Heaven and left. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you're going to leave, you should put on Inagata De Vida. Yeah, that's, a, that's an entire album side. Right yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, so, and Bob's like, yeah, if that ever happens, please do not do that. <laughs> I mean, seri- seriously? Uh, I mean, that's, that's funny and all that, but... Uh, there's certain regulations for 
for radio stations where you have to provide the information. Yeah. You have to be there because some people might not have their TV on. Yeah. And let's say the power goes out, you might have a like a, a, a battery-powered a, a radio. Battery radio. you got those hand-cranked emergency radios these days. You're going to have no other source for your information. Yeah. And so you have to do that. Normally, I'm a very anti-regulation sort of guy, but that's one I agree with because you are the source of information should there be a power outage. Yeah, exactly. Uh, most radio stations have battery backups, yep. so they can still provide the service. Like, Because I know some people are like, well, if there's a power outage, how can you be on the air? And it does happen where the power goes out to sure. the station, you go off the air. But they are battery backed up so they can be on for a little while longer to provide information. Yeah. And that's going to be your only source. Yeah. Thankfully, nothing nothing like that ever happened. I don't remember anything disastrous ever happening that knocked us off the air or anything. Now, we've had the, t- we've had the, uh, the link between the studio and the transmission tower go out a few times, but uh, nothing really bad. If you're in the studio and the link is broken, an alarm goes off. <laughs> and it's like, beep. I mean, it's not terrible loud, but you know you're off the air. Yeah. And uh, oh, time to call the transmitter guy. Yeah. So. Yeah. And uh, oh, the, speaking of speaking of which, uh, of course, like I had to deal with like emergency broadcast system. You might remember that yes. two tone thing. And uh, if I can remember correctly, and I'm pretty sure that I am remembering correctly. You know how they, they, they always said, this station in voluntary cooperation with the authorities. Like, with FCC and local yeah, authorities. That was not voluntary at all. It was oh. required. It was required. Just like when What's-His-Name said that income tax is voluntary. Uh, Who said that income tax is voluntary? Uh, Harry oh, Reid. Oh, that guy. Yeah. yeah. But to be perfectly honest, like I said, that's one regulation I can agree with. Hmm. I remember once... When I was at the station, Mike happened to be there, Mike Tomano, and I just said out loud, I said, man, I really want to write a book about my experiences here. And he said, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that. (laughs) Mitch Michaels just wrote a book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, About his experience in Chicago radio. Interesting. But the thing is, like, I mean, just based on the the crazy crap we had to deal, like, the most famous thing was that... uh, our radio station was owned by Bruce's wife, who I'm just going to refer to as Patty right now. Bruce was a general manager. Usually the general manager is typically the station owner, but it wasn't in this case. Uh, his wife owned it. Uh, she co-owned it with somebody else. Uh, I forgot her I forgot her name, but uh, they would have these sc- blood-curdling, screaming arguments for, like, hours. Oh, no. And it was just so freaking <laughs> I think embarrassing. I told me about and, there were some times when you could actually hear their voices leak out over the... Even though we had the baffling, we had the door closed and everything, they had the office door closed, you could still hear their voices leak through. You couldn't really hear what they were saying, but you could... And sometimes there'd be staff meetings going on that would break down into those bloods. Oh, God. Like, okay. I remember once Vicki LeBrock came in and said, she's like, Sean, I'm so sorry you had to deal with this. <laughs> it really was baffling. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I remember one day there was I came in and there was a note on the broadcast console from Patty who said that Bruce had been fired and that if he ever shows up at the station call the police. That same day, that same day I saw the two of them walk in together. That I was like, "Come on, man." And like, no, I, no, I remember what happened. Bruce called me one time and he he said, "Sean, I got to know where Patty is. Tell, tell me where she 
And like, and then later that day, they both walked in together, and I was like, "What's going on here?" Oh God! And then a couple of weeks later, there was another note from Patty that said, "We're pleased to announce the return of Bruce something something, who's back under his valuable skills will be helpful as general manager." Because I remember we had we hired an in- another general manager, and nobody liked him. Nobody liked him. I'm just going to refer to him as Bobby right now, not his real name. Nobody liked him. He was a jerk. And uh, when Star Radio took over, when he found out that Star Radio was taking over, he got a job with Star Radio and kind of wormed his way back as general oh, manager. Of the <laughs> so, can I have another glass of water, please? Yeah, of course. Can I get some more tea, please? Yeah, of course. Thank you. Yeah, tea, please. Tea, please, for my tea, please. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> uh, but wow. anyway. <laughs> Leave it to Beavis. Uh, what was I saying? Uh, something about how he wormed his way into Star Radio. Yeah, oh yeah. Wow, and I remember. Uh, and that's something else, guys. I want to talk about the Star Radio takeover. Yeah, you because, mentioned that before. Because I remember it was April 1st, 1998. Yeah, it was ni- April 1st, 1998. It was a Wednesday. And I turned on the station and I heard Bruce and Patty on the air, which they never, they never were on the air together. Bruce had a show every Sunday night. He, he called himself Kelly on the Cat. And, uh, the kid. and um, I, th- I think the general no consensus. Thank you. No I think the general consensus was that he was terrible on the air, but oh god, but people still loved to listen to him though. But I was like, wait, a minute, why are these two on the air right now? Shouldn't uh, what's his name be on right now? And they're talking about how they had just sold the station and they were moving to Corpus Christi to start up a new station called KYKT. And I'm thinking, okay, this is an April Fool's Day joke, obviously, because they're not normally on this time. It's April 1st, and it's a Wednesday, you know. But uh, so I get to the station for my Saturday shift, and Bruce is outside, and he met me at my car, and he said, it was nice working with you, Sean, before I even stepped out of the car. I just had the window down. And I was like, what? He said, I said it was nice working with you. He said, we sold the station. And I was like, what? What? And I said, well, can I at least go in and put together a demo real quick? And then he said, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. The deal that we, we sold the station, Patty and I became millionaires from the deal, and we're moving to Corpus Christi and starting up a new station. Wow. Oh, by the way, uh, FYI, for people following the story, uh, Star Radio is a corporation out of Quincy, Illinois. Oh, I didn't know they were out of Quincy. Yeah, they were out of Quincy. But he said, he said, they may have changed since then. Yeah. But when I was working there, they were, they're headquartered out of Quincy, Illinois, which is about 200 miles away. Hmm. And one of the things that I had learned in my radio classes in college was that basically a station takeover means kiss your job goodbye. But um, Bruce said to me, he said, no, you don't understand here. We sold the station, but everybody stays. He said that was part of the deal was that everybody gets to keep oh, their cool. job. So that was the only thing I, I, I did notice, though, that the guy who was on after me, Taz, was suddenly no longer there. Hmm. And he was a fun guy to work. He was only there on weekends, and not many people really knew who he was. I'm trying <laughs> to remember, other than Mike and Steve, yeah. Mike, Steve, and Tim Lampin, because I worked with him too. He was. Hmm. He, Tim, seemed, he seemed to be indifferent toward me, so I don't know. Maybe it was just because he was taking his job seriously. Tim was indifferent towards everything and everybody. Oh, well, there that, you was, go. that was typical but Tim. When they, oh, my dude. When my they God. started WXNU, they hired some kid out of college from Ohio to uh, to do the morning show and um, that I don't remember his name and he of course wasn't there very long yeah I remember they had a huge thing um, when to announce the station it's not like I said they didn't buy it they actually created the station because the frequency became available and um, I think it was in Mantino yeah. 
Illinois, they had the, the, the big thing, and uh, including somebody jumping from, <laughs> skydiving from a, a helicopter, uh, holding a briefcase which announced the new format. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and I was thinking of the WKRP uh, Thanksgiving episode, <laughs> which is great, but it's unfortunately it's been played so much that it's actually well, become yeah. cliche. Yeah. It's still funny. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But um, but I was reminded of that whole thing, and they, they open it country. Oh god! And that and that's the thing when a station gets taken over, usually the format changes, and that's what happened at the Cat. The Cat when I started there was hard rock. It was like we didn't play anything mellow. Like you wouldn't like we hadn't e we had uh, a lot of Eagles CDs in there, but you would only hear like their rocking stuff. You would never hear Love Will Keep Us Alive, which is a very mellow ballad and everything. I don't just know if I've ever heard that. One. But uh, that's a great song. Man. I like the Eagles. Yeah, by that's the way. from uh, Hell Freezes Over. But um, the Eagles are one of the bands that everyone's supposed to hate, like Genesis with Phil Collins. And, what a, uh, yeah, what a, I do hate the Eagles, but whatever. I don't. I like. <laughs> I like Joe Walsh and Timothy B. Schmidt. Okay, <laughs> I've said it before. Um, one of the reasons I love the Eagles, and we can get back to the topic, they have the song Already Gone. Yeah. And that song actually helps me out with my depression because hmm. uh, there's a line in it that says, um, so oftentimes it happens, we live our lives in chains, but we never even know we have the key. Hmm. And how can I hate the band with a, a song with a line like that? I just like them anyway, but I thought that was a really great uh great things so. yeah so, anyway but yeah we had like we had a lot of metal we had uh, a lot of grunge and some, sort of that uh, transitional stuff that was coming out of the grunge era. you listen to wykt just like, from the culture club there, and there was a there was a specialty show i don't remember <laughs> if it was every night or if it was just saturday night it was called graveyard shift which was like the most metal of metal you could ever possibly metal that's the most metal this thing kind of I've stuff and all the, you know but, I'm uh, thinking of the TV show Metalocalypse. I, I don't know that show. Oh, God, but, uh, that show was great. But uh, At least watch the very first episode of the show, of the series. Um, anyway. Any rate, uh, but, um, so Star Radio takes over, and they basically toned down the format. It's kind there was, a, there, was a, there was a little bit of crossover from the cat to their new format, so like it was still rock, but it yeah. wasn't hard rock. Yeah, so like, it was kind of a mix of softer rock and harder rock. Yeah, like it you, was kind of like yeah. just straight rock. Yeah, like not, you, you, yeah, yeah, like you'd hear more Dave Matthews Band, but no Black Sabbath. You wouldn't for hear like Air Supply, thank God. So yeah, that day that Bruce met me out at my car, and you know, and when I when I did my shift, there were people calling all the time. They're like, they're, they're like, hey, Sean, what the hell's going on with that station? Where's this stuff? And uh, I think somebody specifically requested Black Sabbath, and I said we don't have it anymore. She's like, "What?" She's like, "Come on, you gotta be." I said, "Look, I'll tell you what. You come on down to the station. If you can find that CD in here, I will put it on for you. I promise." And because yeah, they all the, like the CD. They literally took the music away. Oh yeah, literally. Could, when I worked at WKAN, when they were in the old building in downtown Kankakee, they had a pretty big basement. And they had all of their old tapes down there. Oh, they, yeah? They were stored, all that, in the basement. Oh, dude, speak, speaking of which, this, this was one of my favorite moments as a, as a radio guy. At both uh, the College Station and at the Cat, it was all CDs. And, once in, and of course, like the, there would be an occasion where I'd have to play a, a song off of a cart, and uh, we'll talk about that later. At the Cat, like we, most if not all radio stations, there is a playlist generated. It tells you here are the songs you're going to play, and uh, that's that's the rule. Period. But at the Cat, like we were, they were a little bit liberal. They said, hey, if somebody wants to hear a certain song, like see like see where in the hour it could possibly fit, and uh, 
go ahead and feel free to do that once or twice, you know. <laughs> and so someone called up and said, hey, can, can you play Black Magic Woman? I was like, ooh, that's a good, that's a great tune. And uh, I'm looking around for it, and I couldn't find it. I was like, you got to be kidding me. We don't have that? And um, some somebody from management was there that day, and they kind of, they're like, what are you doing? I said, I'm looking for Black Magic Woman. Someone wants to hear it. They're like, we have that in vinyl. I said, really? <laughs> and there was a turntable in there, and I had I had been taught in college how to play a record over the air. And it's like, oh, my God, I finally get to do it, and I felt so good. The what you got to do is uh, the, a, a typical station turntable was uh, one of those things where you could still hear it even if it wasn't spinning. Like So you would put the uh, stylus on the record, spin it up to the beginning of the song, and then... It had, like, a neutral speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, like, put it in neutral, and then, like... Play the record backwards, and uh, basically like find. You back it up just a little bit, so when you hit yeah. play on the thing, boom, it starts up. Well, the thing was, well, you, what you're it supposed has to, to do. speed up. Yeah, yeah, you have tell, to give it a little leeway. Yeah, they tell you spin it backwards a quarter of a turn, so that way you know it's still come up pretty quickly, but it'll give enough time to, to come get to the full speed. speed. So I, I felt so powerful with that. It was, it was like, yeah. That's how radio stations can play records backwards. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dude, the turntable that uh, Lisa and I just got last weekend actually can play backwards. Uh, we backwards had one that did that. I remember I was listening to WLS one time, and it was when the uh, the, the John Lennon Yoko Ono Double Fantasy album was was hot. Yeah. And uh, they were talking about the song um, "Kiss Kiss Kiss," which is Yoko Ono, and they're kiss, like, "Kiss Kiss Kiss Me." That's the one. If you play the intro backwards, it sounds like she's saying, I shot John Lennon. Oh, God. Seriously, oh, try it out. Man. It does sound like it. I know it's just coincidence. It's, uh, what do they call it, yeah. pareidolia, but, uh, which is a psychological thing where you hear things that you want to hear. But um, <laughs> oh, Seriously, play it. If you've I, I, never heard that? No, I've never heard oh, that. Oh, dude, you got to listen to that. Yeah, I'll have, I'll have to try that. In fact, I have Double Fantasy on my hard drive right okay, here. Okay, so we're going to have to try that when we're done. <laughs> Um, um, there was something but, I was gonna. Say. Oh, I remember one time. But, oh yeah, but yeah. So I played. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I, was, I was. I started up Black Magic Woman, and I'm introing it, and I and I actually said on the. I was like, by the way, I'm playing this off of vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing this off of vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but anyway, what were you about to? I was say? gonna. I was gonna say because I wanted to go back to uh, when I was doing the remotes. I remember one time, there WKAN was doing remotes. Now WKAN. As we say, YKT was rock. It was yeah. it was classic rock when I when I was working with them. And I was said WXNU, which was country, but WKAN was uh, AM 1320 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 1320. I, I know that because that was the Kankakee station when I moved yeah. to Joliet. The Joliet station was 1340. 30, oh, there we WJOL. go. WJOL. And um, the, the, those, you know, Kankakee and Joliet are only like 30 miles apart, so the, there could be some bleed over, so you had to have oh, yeah. different frequencies. But, um, but uh, one time I was doing a remote, and when you're doing a remote and you're a local talk station, it'd be kind of hard to like get some talk or whatever going in the meantime. So we did play music during those. And this was a day in July. They were doing a remote from like a car lot or something. It was horrible hot. It was, it was probably one of the hottest days we had in a while. And so I decided to have fun with this, and I themed all the songs uh, about, uh, about the heat. I played The Heat Is On, uh, Hot Child in the City, uh, Hot Blooded, stuff like that. And I'd throw a few... Uh, through, uh, I would throw uh, uh, Cold As Ice in there as well. And, they, and uh, Mike Tamano was like, 
um, oh, I see that the the playlist is uh, is is getting all these temperature songs. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm doing that. <laughs> he it's like, wow, the, so- the selector software. But yeah, I want to talk about like remotes and stuff because like at least when I was at the cat, there were two different ways you could do a remote. There was actually a remote antenna. And you could bring a microphone with you and like point the int. You'd actually call the station and have someone sit behind the broadcast board, and they would like monitor your antenna through one of the ports on the board and tell you, uh, okay, I can hear you now. Okay, there's better. Like they'd tell you how your signal was, and you'd adjust the antenna. That was one way, and that was a good, clear way to do a remote. Which I think I brought that up earlier. That was, I think, the blue box. Oh, that's uh, that the blue box. Okay. I think that was the blue yeah, box. Yeah, I don't remember. But what the we term also was. had and the cell phone. This they called it the cellcaster. Yeah, and the thing is, it was it was a cell phone, but it was specifically made for remote broadcasting, so it was slightly better quality than a regular cell phone. Slightly. Yeah, here's slightly. the thing, though. Uh, depending where you were, that thing would drop a lot easier, in my experience, yeah. than the uh, than the blue box. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's like, I, I, and and in fact, uh, after a while, that's all we did our remotes on was the was the cellcaster. It's like the it, first it must yeah, have been cheaper or something, yeah, the or fir- the cell well, or. Or the uh, the blue box broke yeah, down got, and they I, didn't repair. I got a story about that, but uh, this isn't the story. But I, I I learned about that when I saw I, I went to a remote that Mike Tamano was hosting, and when he when he'd like do his little broadcasting, he'd do it over a cell phone. I was like, this is the chintziest way. And then I learned that it wasn't just a cell phone; it was actually a broadcast specific cell phone. <laughs> so, but anyway, I actually this, never actually never saw it. The uh, the cell phone, uh, the cellcaster, but I do know that they had it. it, it, it looks, well, I, I had no reason to see it because I, I yeah. it looked just like a cell phone at the time. Like you couldn't really tell anything different, but it was different. Right. But uh, one of my favorite re- remote broadcasting experiences, like we had a um, and an, a couple of guys, they were kind of rednecky guys and proud of it. Uh, they were nice guys too. Uh, they did a uh, a specialty show about NHRA hot rod racing and things. Uh, it was usually on weeknights. Sometimes they do it on Saturday mornings. And uh, there were a couple of times when I ran the board for them. And uh, there was one time they were doing a remote. They oh, they absolutely hated Bruce with every fiber of their being. <laughs> they hated his guts so much. And uh, they used to bash NASCAR all the time. They hated oh, NASCAR. And the thing is... NASCAR was one of the sponsors. So, <laughs> I, so got, that, that, I got so, a NASCAR story. So Bruce was so pissed off about that. <laughs> like, Bruce didn't like them. They didn't like Bruce. But um, so what happened was uh, I, I come in and, you know, th- th- I, was, I was asked to show up early for my shift because they wanted me to run the board for the, for the hot rod show. So I was like, okay, yeah, I can do that. And, um, and they were doing it remotely, which they, they did a lot of remotes on that show. And they were doing it from remote from the Great Lakes Dragaway. And um, in Wisconsin, I believe. Which Union Grove, Wisconsin. Yeah, Union. It's exactly where where it is. Yeah, and they were using the cell phone for that. And um, Bruce didn't know. He like they asked they asked him. They said, "Hey, can we do a remote from the Great Lakes like Great Lakes Dragway?" He's like, "Yeah, sure, that's fine." And uh, he didn't know it was in Wisconsin. Oh no! <laughs> so he comes in and he's monitor. He's he, he just happens to walk in the studio while the show's going on. He said, "Where?" The, he said, "They're at the Great Lakes Dragway, right?" I said, "Yeah." And then the, he hears them say, "And we're at the Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin." He's like, "What?" Because they're using the cell phone. <laughs> what was and, it? And running up the because back then you didn't have oh, unlimited no, minutes. No, no, it was you. Were, it was it was expensive to make a cell phone call. What was the uh, <laughs> in Chicago radio? There was. Uh, 
a drag strip in Indiana that was advertised all the oh, time. Oh, was it Raceway oh, Park? Uh, smoking U.S. 30 drag strip. Well, no, Raceway Park is. I'm not talking about Raceway Park is in New Jersey. Good grief. Yeah, it was uh, the the smoking U.S. 30 drag Sunday, oh Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> now every every city's got that yeah. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday oh, yeah. for the, the yep. old racetracks. Yep. Uh, the uh, the old um, uh, what was the racetrack over here? Um, was uh, yeah, it was over here. Is by Argon uh, Labs. Oh, I don't know. Uh, it was I don't know. Uh, it was named Santa Fe Speedway. Oh right, right. Okay, so now they, I remember. They, uh, yeah, yeah Santa, I actually one of our neighbors actually drove uh, drove a, uh, a stock car, and I, we saw him actually do uh, demolition derby there one time. He literally, literally lived on the next block, and I was friends with his brother, um, so that was fun. But uh, but yeah, every every city has the one the one racetrack. Or had it back when there were a lot of little racetracks all over, and they did the ad. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's 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 cliche, but everybody's got an experience. With it's that. cliche and it's true. And then, oh, you remember this one um, from Chicago? <clears throat> Starbeat presents what's, what's happening. happening. <laughs> we need to find yep. a clip of that and play it on the podcast. FuzzyMemories.tv has. They have that. Yeah. Oh, awesome! Starbeat presents what's happening. Yeah. Oh, that's a great. Uh, and, and for for years, I was I swore I was like, that's got to be Frank Zappa. It's not. <laughs> I, I mean, that was like, played on WLS AM eight ninety all the time. Because like now, because like now when I hear it, it's like okay, yeah, that's not Frank Zappa. <laughs> I remember they were playing that on WLS one time. Steve uh, when Steve Dahl and Gary Meyer were on WLS. <laughs> And one time they they sang along with it. I remember that. That was great. Yeah. Steve Dahl's like legend in these parts. Yeah, I can't love stand. him or love him or hate him. He's a legend. In fact, him and Mike Tamano are good friends also. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And, oh, uh, dude. One time when Mike Tamano was in the station when I was there, he actually took out his phone. He's like, "So, Sean, whose phone number do you want?" He's like, "Here, here's Ted Nugent's phone number." And I was, I was like, "Yeah, Mike, I Mike get the Tomano point. You know, Ted Nugent has a great story because he working in the music industry." Uh, even though he was on a small radio station, he knew a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he knew uh, Colin Hay from Men at Work. Really? I yes, did not he know did. that. And there was this one time where Mike Tamano was like really busy, and he got a phone call from Colin Hay. He actually performed in the studio at WKA one, N one time. He did a, an acoustic version of uh, Who Can It Be Now in the studio. Wow. Um, and what happened was um, Colin Hay called Mike Tamano, and he was like, I wish this would have been my story. And he's like, um, yeah, uh, I'm sitting here with uh, with uh, Sheila E. and uh, and uh, Ringo Starr, and uh, I'd like you to come up here and meet him. And he declined because he had something else going on. I would have been. I would have like. The, I, huh. I would have faked my death to go there. I. Hey, <laughs> I. One of my one of my most fi- one of my moments that I love to brag about is when I got to shake hands with Brian Wilson and I always say the only thing that will ever top that is getting to meet a Beatle mm-hmm. and that's not happened yet I so would have been like I would like I said I would have played even though I would have driven to his home in Monte Carlo to yeah, do that. yeah no kidding I don't and I'm like thinking and he he regrets that decision but yeah he yeah. Mike Tomato knows Quite a few and people. Dude, seriously, Sheila E., one of the greatest drummers. She, she is, is she amazing. Is, she is. Wow. She is really good. So, what was I talking? About? Oh, yeah, oh yeah. Speaking of people, Tamano Node. I don't think. I don't think Node. Node. <laughs> I don't think he knew her. But uh, there was something. He was talking about something about Janine Garofalo, and he put. He did this on the air, and he played the recording back all the freaking time after this. I remember it went. The recording went something like this. He makes a phone call. He he, he said, "You know, I'm going to call Janine Garofalo right now." And um, now, mind you, Steve T- or Mike Tamano 
uh, has a background in stand-up comedy. He's yeah. actually a graduate of the Second City. Yeah, yeah. He had, he told a story about that once about how he showed up for a show one night and someone brought a plate full of brownies and so he's eating the brownies. He's like, oh my god, these are the best brownies. I know the story. Yeah, and he's telling people. He's telling people. He's like, try these brownies. Uh, oh really? Who brought them? Oh well, such and such. Per- oh no, thanks, no thanks. I'm good. He's like, these are awesome. And, anyway, and he gets out to take the stage and his like entire right leg collapsed on him. So. <laughs> what was in those brownies? Yeah. But uh, anyway, so he's like, he's like, I'm about to call Janine Garofalo. So he calls, and I don't know if it was really her or maybe his wife doing this, but like, I just, I'm just waking up, kind of cause, hello, and Mike said, I'm looking for Janine Garofalo, like, like with his Chicago accent breaking through, and she's like, who is this? Is it, well, my name is Mike Tomano. I'm with a radio station in Joliet. Uh, we're with uh, the Cat WYKT. Have you heard of us? And she said, how did you get this number? And he's like, well, a friend of mine knows you and uh, heard that you were you were in town and all this. And he said, he said, look, I just wanted to say, I saw the movie The Truth About Cats and Dogs, and I just want to say I completely disagree with it. I would rather do you than Uma Thurman any day. And then whoever this was, whether it was Janine Garofalo or something, like bust out laughing, and then said, "You're an hole." <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was. Oh God, there's this one thing they played. It was a local caller who would call the show every now and then who would like always complain oh god who was it i, I might have to ask steve Tui about this oh oh geez and they were just like and then after a while they were ripping on her so much she called back in saying that she wanted uh she wanted residuals <laughs> because they were playing the clip so much okay i'll give you yeah i would have yeah if it was me i would have said sure i'd be happy to give you a chunk of my salary <laughs> yeah but uh no, speaking of local callers, I cannot talk about my experience at the cat without talking about this one. And if any of my former cat coworkers are listening, you know exactly what I'm the the two the two words that are coming out of my mouth next. Dave Zilch. He was a legendary caller. He would call all the time, multiple times a day, multiple times per shift. The deal is, he was a raging alcoholic. Oh god. Nicest guy in the world though. He seriously was a really nice guy. He would listen at work. Like he, I think for for work he literally shoveled manure, and he would listen at work and all that where he'd be sober and like he would call when he got home and you could hear him progressively get more and more drunk. He was a really nice guy. Everybody liked him, but he was one of those guys who like he would keep you on the phone for the longest time and you just have to say gotta go, Dave. Bye. And it was funny listening to this guy because like he he would make you laugh and he was easy to make laugh. What's shaking, Dave? How you doing, Sean? Oh, I'm doing just ducky. How are you doing? I'm doing just hunky-dory. That's good. What's on your mind? No, I just called to say hi. Oh, hi, Dave. How was your uh, New Year's Eve? Okay. I, st- I stayed sober. <laughs> no, yeah, right. Yeah, and there is there is a crowd of chicks around me right now just saying, "Take me, screaming, Sean, take me." He was a, he was a screaming ass. He'd, he'd be like, "I love you." <laughs> and. Uh, one day, like, he called me and he uh, on the air and he said, you know what, this, this is probably going to be the last time I talk to you because i got to move to North Carolina. Because I guess his dad was, like, had a nasty accident or got sick mm-hmm. or something, so he was moving down to North Carolina to, to help out his dad and all that. I actually met Dave once, clean-looking guy, a nightly trimmed beard and everything, but you can smell the, raw, the like, the alcohol a mile away. <laughs> his mom used to drive him all over the place. Cause, Say, you switched um, to Jack Daniels. <laughs> yeah, I, think his, I think his mom used to drive all, drive him all the time, because obviously he couldn't. Uh-huh. So, and he he was well aware that he should not, you know, and he, and he <laughs> respect, he's like, 
Yeah, and I, you know, I would tell him, I was like, Dave, be safe. And he'd be, he said, don't worry, Sean, I'm home already. I'm going to be okay. And that after, and literally, like immediately after he moved to North Carolina, we started getting calls from another drunk guy who was really a giant prick. And he called himself Shock Jock Jr. Oh, God. And I remember he used to, like, make harassing calls to Patty all the time. And Bruce would get pissed off big time. And I think they ended up calling the police or something. And that's the oh, kind wow. of stuff you have to deal with. Yeah, we were, as we were kind of talking about earlier. Yeah. Oh, the other kind of, the other favorite phone calls that I loved, this happened to me twice. I mentioned this on a previous episode of this podcast, but uh, it's worth mentioning in case people are listening just for the radio stories. But uh, more than one occasion, I'd pick up the phone. This was back when you could call like 1-800-COLLECT or something, and it would be, you'd make a collect call on this. But... Um, they had a, a bunch of numbers like that, but I pick up the phone. I was like, hi, it's the cat. What can I do for you? This is an AT&T collect call from, hey, play some Zeppelin Man. Do you wish to accept the charges? <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. I mean, hey, a lot of kids did that back when that stuff, when, when the 800 collects were like, you have a collect call from, come on, Mom, pick me up. <laughs> Well, that, oh, that was awesome. great. That, 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 I think that was my favorite call ever. <laughs> oh, man. Because I was mostly behind the scenes, I never really got any sort of calls or whatever. I, uh, I think I got, I've gotten a few, but I don't really remember much about them. Uh, mostly because since it was uh, running commercials for NASCAR on a talk station, I would get uh, calls from uh, older, pe- older people like, do you know when the farmer's market is and stuff like that? Yeah. But... Uh, but oh no, sorry, don't don't know. But um. I think the most probably the most angering phone call I ever got was one day I called up. There was some guy who was talking, who somehow engaged me in some kind of conversation, and excuse me about how how he's a hard worker and how he does that. Here's what my job is, blah blah blah. And you know, and I'm so sick of dealing with these black people. Oh, and, you know, I was like, oh Jesus. Like, if there's one thing I can't tolerate, it's racism. Yeah. And I'm trying my best to be like the nice guy, customer service guy not pissing him off, and all I could think was, and he was talking about how much he loves this station because it keeps him away from black music and everything. And all I could think of is, and I actually said that, I was like, dude, you actually listen on Sundays when we have the gospel show in the morning and Basement of Blues at night? And it's, I was so pissed off, I really was. And, and the thing is, like, you gotta oh, deal we with got all the, kinds. We, you know what, you should tune in Sunday morning at 8 a.m. where we have the all-white hour and that would be actually the time that uh, oh, would be the yeah. Jesse Jackson show. Yeah. That would have been awesome <laughs> yeah, <that laughs> to see, was, that, see him go out of his tiny Yeah, that was mind. cool because, like, I didn't know about the gospel show until I actually showed up for work one Sunday morning, and there was this guy hosting a gospel show. I was like, oh, I didn't know we do. I remember his name was Paul Harris, and later on another guy uh, took over. I remember his name was Don Myert. I think he had a lot of pull in the community. A lot of people knew. Like, people I worked with knew. Really? Like, oh, you work at the Cat, too? Do you know Don Myert? He's a friend of mine. Oh. Like, oh. One time, on my personal MySpace page, yes, there was a thing called MySpace at one time. Uh, I posted about how there was a certain political candidate in uh, the Kankakee area that I did not like at all. <laughs> and I called her um, a word that rhymes with hunt. Uh, on my Facebook page, or on my MySpace page. This is before I actually had a Facebook page. I got 
an angry phone call while I was on air, while I was doing the commercials one day from Mike Tamano, and he's like, you better take that down. Yeah. Because she's, uh, uh, one of her staffers saw it, and uh, they know who you are, and, uh, you know, we could lose any connections that we yeah. have with her. And yeah, you got to be yeah, careful on your, with what you On your say. personal page, that, I think that's another reason why people have pseudonyms in radio, yeah. is so they can do stuff like that and, uh, you know, post their personal opinions. But, yeah, you don't ever in radio, unless that's your thing, unless you're like yeah. like a, uh, a Rush Limbaugh or a Keith Older, Olbermann or whatever, and your your politics is your thing. You do not. And do I just that. realized that people listening can't hear me nod in agreement. Yeah, so, but you, you you cannot do stuff like that. Um, no, you'll get in trouble. Yeah, and, something and you else? could lose a. And there's there's a lot of political poll with radio stations, especially small local ones, and um, you could get yourself in some trouble that uh, you never knew you could get in trouble for. It. Oh yeah, yeah. Like there's there was a one, lot of politics involved. Yeah, there was one time like I was doing a bit like between songs, and I was I'd, I'd like say, all right. All right, you know, there are some people who really piss me off. I think I'm just going to shoot them. I play a sound effect by them. I was like, like Barney, for example. I was like, who else should I shoot? Someone saw, someone called up and said, hey, how about Bill Clinton? And, and then like, you stopped the bit. Well, that's the thing. I was like, well, okay, here we go. Now he's he's gone. And then Bruce came in. He said, uh, you can't do that. No, you know, that's He said, you that. can't you can't joke about the president being. As I like, he's like, he said, yeah, you get in trouble for it. He's like, Secret he, Service. And, yeah, and then he said, well, just don't worry. You won't get in any trouble just as long as as uh, Tomano doesn't know. And I'm not gonna tell him. He's like, just d- just don't do it again. You'll be okay. Oh yeah, and that's yeah. another thing with uh, with radio. Yeah. If you think your boss isn't listening, you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, your boss, he might not be, but uh, somebody Always he knows. Assume. But someone he knows is. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, you got to watch what you're doing. Yeah, your voice is going out to a huge community, so someone knows somebody. Yeah. Some. No Even if how everybody agrees with you, is. words gonna get back to your boss. And yeah. Well, yeah, it's um, kind of like uh, when I, when I was at the college and. Um, it was a Catholic college run by the Franciscans, of course. And Bob Zach was telling us, you know, oh, you know, like sometimes we'll get a complaint from the nuns about, this. I said, oh, the nuns listen to the station? And Bob said, well, let me tell you, there are two, you're two kinds of listeners of a radio station. People who listen because they like what you do and people who listen just to hear you do anything wrong so they can bitch about it. So- oh, and by the way, uh, the, this, uh, this college, this Catholic college that Sean's talking about, is the uh, the college uh, where it happened? I was going to ask you about. Yeah, that. that's the college that had involved with my uh, little car accident with the nun. Oh mercy! <laughs> oh mercy! Oh mercy! <laughs> Sisters of Mercy Auto. That, that's yeah. just that's. An uh, awesome I think was that the last episode yeah. or the, par- the episode before? Yeah, it was episode sixty-seven. Okay, I think. yeah, yeah. The, the one so we just. If did. you want the uh, the full uh, story about how nuns uh, t-boned my car by blowing us outside. Yeah, listen to the. Oh, what games were we talking about? Was that uh, the the Blastroids Buster Brothers? Blastroids Buster, Bro- Buster yeah. Brothers. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that was that was great. Um, I'm gonna have to tell Doc to get Buster Brothers. Oh yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's probably got it on his radar. The only I game I know that he doesn't have on his radar is Journey. Journey. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's, he's death just because he hates the band. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but um, Doc seems like a heavy metal guy. Oh hi, it's um, Sean. Sorry for the um, for the brief interruption, but I realize that in our entire discussion, there was one thing I accidentally left out, and the thing is, my wife had actually told me when you guys record this episode. 
make sure you mention this. This is the most important thing. And I totally forgot. It was even in my notes. You kind of have an idea of the rusticness of the station that I worked for after I graduated college, the Cat 105.5 WIKT in um, Wilmington. Just to give you an idea of how rustic the station was, if there was a time when somebody was arriving and there was nobody at the station for whatever reason, whether there was a satellite feed or other kind of automation being broadcast that didn't require somebody to operate the, the board, the staff wasn't really given a key to the station. There was one extra key to the station. And so whoever was arriving and didn't have a key would have to retrieve the key from a hiding place. What was the hiding place? The hiding place was the tank of a decommissioned toilet outside of the station. So, uh, yeah, rusticness. But yeah, anyway, like, I, I do want to talk a, like a little bit more about the technical things that, that we learned, like, on the radio, like, kind of the more generic things, like, uh, stuff that, like, if you're listening to the Don't radio... pop your peas. Yeah, like, what what they taught us was kind of, like, talk to the right of the mic. Did I say Don't talk? Talk. Talk. Hey, you get to the right of the microphone. Micro to the right of the microphone. Don't talk directly into the microphone like this, but talk kind of like this. Yeah, off to the side and you won't pop your piece. And something that Bruce told me is like, stand when you talk if you can, because you'll sound a lot oh, yeah. better. So oh, yeah, like, yeah, definitely. You're right. Well, let's put it this way. Singers don't sit when they uh, when they sing unless you're from uh, Blues Traveler. Well, yeah. But I, then I, again, he got gastric bypass, so I think he stands out. Uh, okay. Yeah, well. he lost a lot of weight. He's also oh. a libertarian. <clears throat> John of course Potter. he is. Yeah, of course he is. I was taking blues harp classes at the Old Town School of Folk Music. And I remember my blues harp one instructor said, like someone mentioned John Popper, and he said, John Popper thinks he gets paid by the note. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Do whatever you got to do. Yeah. Right? Thank you. Thank you. And um, something that I, that's like you'll hear at every station because it's mandated by the FCC at the top as close to the top of the hour as humanly possible within oh, reason the legal ID the legal ID what does the legal ID the legal consist of you have to say the, the station's call sign immediately followed by the municipality in which the station is licensed to broadcast like you'll notice that like you'll hear like I, I remember WCKG Franklin Park Chicago yeah I didn't I didn't realize they weren't actually in Chicago yeah. that first part that Franklin Park part that is the legal ID the that, that's Everything. where the station is licensed yeah. Chicago is just to connect with the city yeah. every other time except at the top of the hour you'll hear WCKG Chicago but at the top of the hour it has to be Franklin Park Chicago yeah and really the Chicago part isn't is just like I said that's just marketing yeah, because like when I started, they don't the require the, the frequency. I thought they no, did. No, they don't. Okay. No call sign followed by followed city by license. The city license. Okay. Yeah. So uh, when I started, I didn't know that it only counted up to the first city. Yeah. Because like because yeah, everything else is just whatever you want it to be. Well, imagine if you're in the Quad Cities area. I'm mean, like W X X X Davenport, Moline, Rock Island. Quincy. Well, if you have a license in all of those, generally <laughs> well, it's where it's typically where the tower is located. For, yeah, yes, for the most yes. Part. It's not where your studios are. It is where your tower. For is the located. most part, yeah, but where where your license broadcast is. But uh, so, like when I started at the Cat, like the the uh, legal ID sweeper, as they call those little recordings said W-I-K-T Wilmington Joliet. So I was like, oh, we have a license in Joliet? I didn't know that that's what that, that it was just like. And then the, later on, we there was a new legal ID sweeper that said W-I-K-T Wilmington Joliet Chicago. And, and you know, that's something, 
Oh, no, keep going on. Yeah. There's something I want to say. Yeah. Yes. And, I, and I said to somebody, I was like, wait a minute. When did we get the Chicago license? And I didn't know that that... that the, the only license is the first city. Everything else is whatever you want it to say. And I remember it was like, are we are we stretching a little bit? I don't think we can reach Chicago. And one day Tim Lamping told me that he was driving around Midway Airport and he was actually able to faintly, faintly, faintly pick up a little bit of the station uh, the station signal. So he said, well, technically our legal ID sweeper is right. So. <laughs> one time I was actually, we were on vacation in uh, no, the mountains in northern Georgia and uh, we yeah. actually got uh, a faint signal of uh, WLS from Chicago. Oh, yeah. It, it happens. It's, it's just neat. all atmospheric. The waves bounce off the clouds and the atmosphere. Yeah, the day, I, the day I moved my stuff from uh, New Jersey to the Chicago apartment, when I was driving through Eastern PA, I was picking up WBBM in Chicago crystal clear. Yeah. But one thing I was going to mention, uh, you're talking about the, the legal ID, the antenna that is not necessarily right next to the radio station. When yeah. YKT was in Wilmington, the station was right there. Yeah. But when they went moved to Kankakee, the antenna was still there. But they had to get the signal from the station in Kankakee yeah. to Coal City, Wilmington, whatever, which is like 25 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the WKAN antenna is just across Kankakee, about maybe well, four or five miles. The WLS AM antenna, I mean, they broadcast in downtown Chicago at, I think, Think at like Michigan Avenue and and uh, it's Wacker Drive in that 190 North, 190 North uh, State Street. Okay, and that's and the, right downtown, right near the Chicago yeah. River. Yeah, and their antenna is all the way out in Orland Park. Tinley Park. Tinley Park. Well, yeah. the thing is, I never knew that. I could, I can never tell whether I'm in Orland Park or Tinley Park. Yeah, they I, blend I have, a, I have a problem. I can't tell Nor- uh, Orland Park and Tinley Park, and I can't tell Niles from from Morton Grove. I don't know which is which when I'm but, there. But so. yeah, the antennas are not necessarily yeah. right next to the to the station, and that's. Yeah. Uh, that's another whole ball of wax right there. So, I mean, you could say WYKT, Wilmington, whatever, yeah. but you're actually broadcasting from Kankakee. But the antenna's in Wilmington. Yeah. Like 25 yeah, miles away. That was so disappointing. Like when I, when I was living in New Jersey and I heard, you know, I, I knew of all these legendary radio stations, WMCA and all those. And about how how they would well CFL Chicago Chicago and they 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 did come have a Morris CFL for a while too yeah but uh, but yeah and I was driving around northern New Jersey one day like in the swamps off the turnpike and all that and I saw the WMCA stage like wait a minute this is WMC this is that world famous WMCA in this little shack in the middle of a swamp. Mm -hmm. And they had like the, a vintage WMCA good guys mural on the side of the building, and and it's like, wait, they're not from New York. Okay, I got to bringing up WKRP again. There was this one yeah. episode where they got a bomb threat at the radio station, so they sent out uh, Johnny Fee- Fever and Venus Flytrap to to uh, broadcast from the antenna, which was outside Cincinnati. Yeah, and they had a little studio there, and um, come to find out. Uh, Johnny Fever like was doing something and he was trying to open something. He was using the toolbox to like bash bash this thing open so he can get inside it. I don't remember what it was. Of course, the bomb was in the toolbox at the, oh, at the antenna, and uh, they ran out of there and the the bomb blew up. They didn't know it was there. But what happened was they had a small studio in there, yeah. and a lot of uh, a lot of antennas will actually have a small record or a small studio in the building adjacent to. The antenna just for such kind of an emergency in mm-hmm. case they have to get back on or something. Uh, if you're out in uh, Tilling Park, Orland Park, wherever, where the WLS antenna is, they have a, a building, actually probably about the size of this restaurant we're in right now, uh, where the you where I've never been in there, but you yeah. know they've got to have some sort of a studio in there. 
You would think. You would think, right. yeah. I mean, they still used the studio once in a great blue moon oh, sure, for YKT sure. once they moved to Kankakee. When you got to have a backup. Yeah, when Star Radio took over and uh, Bobby, the guy that nobody liked, was back as the general manager, he had the legal ID sweeper re-recorded, and it now said, WYKT, Wilmington, Joliet, Kankakee, and you. Because oh, he, he was like, because we want our listeners to feel that they are being addressed wherever they are. Okay. Really, dude. Here's another another bit of wisdom. This is probably the third wisest thing that uh, <laughs> I ever was was taught, and this again was from my broadcasting professor. If you're special to everyone, you're special to no one. Hmm, that's yeah. In radio, mm-hmm. that's true. There's a lot of psychology in radio. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you got to you know to keep the uh, to keep the, the listeners when you're doing radio. You have to pretend you're talking to one person. Yeah. Oh yeah. You have to make it a conversation. You can't just like. Uh, like mumble to yourself, you know, like I do with the live video game videos I'm experimenting with on Facebook. Like, oh crap, I just, oh, I didn't mean to, oh holy crap, that French toast at the table behind you looked really good. It was like really thick and had strawberries and whipped cream on it. It was like, and other delights? Three, and other delights, that's Herb Alpert. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's, you have to pretend like you're talking just to one person. Like, I'm pretending I'm talking to Sean right now, even though he's sitting across from me. Hello. But, uh, holy crap, the food at the table behind you looks so much better than the food I had. I don't do French toast, so I don't care. Oh, I love stuffed French toast. But, anyway, anyway. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a psychological thing. You have to pretend you're talking to mm-hmm. somebody. You have to tailor your message to one person. I mean, obviously, you still, gotta, you still got to obviously, you know, remember that you're talking to more than one person. Oh, yeah. But you have to make it personal. And on top of all that, like, you you got to pretend you're... You're talking to just one person, but at the same time, it is illegal to talk to one person. Right. It's called a point-to-point communication. Like you can't, like, like well, at least for your own benefit. Like you can't say, like, and this you know, Bob. Some, here's a song from uh, Bob Seger. I think you might like. Th- that's actually okay because it's not really like benefiting yourself, but it's more like, hey, Domino's, bring me a pizza. Like you can't. Well, you, do no, that. you can't do. No, no, no. That, that's that's that's, that's blatant. That's blatant. Uh, because that's like almost that's bordering on payola. And, well, yeah, absolutely, and I got a story about that, too. <laughs> and, and, well, here's here's one story about that, and I mentioned uh, Taz before, who was on uh, After Me for a while. I was still at the station. I, I, I guess I was, like, doing some production work or something for my own shift, and he, he said, hey, Sean, you want some pizza? And he had some pizza over there. I said, sure, and I had a slice. I said, oh, this is pretty good. And he said, yeah, Giggles brings it to me for free if I if I give him a plug. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that myself. Yeah. But, you know. But, but, yeah, you cannot make a one-on-one communication over the air for your own personal benefit. Like, well, Mick it, has, it has to be, it has to be a, like, Sean, you're my friend. Here's the, here's the news. Here's yeah. the weather. Or, Sean, bring me a sandwich. I mean, there's two, there's, those are two different conversations. Yeah. So, I mean, if I'm telling Sean, hey, Sean, here's the weather, I mean, that's one thing because I'm benefiting Sean. However, I say, Sean, give me a sandwich. That's benefiting me. Yeah, something like if it's that. Benefiting, if it's benefiting the listener, it's fine. If it's benefiting yourself, it's not fine. Yeah. Which, I got an opinion on the whole payola thing. But yeah. maybe maybe it's a bit of a... But maybe I'm thinking about the whole thing wrong. I don't have a problem with actually getting of paying for airplay. Oh, right. Yeah, that's fine. But the thing but is... But the thing... I guess the payola thing, though, is making it sound like... Not saying that you're actually getting paid for it. Yeah, if you say here, you know, we've got uh, we've got this tape in from uh, from such and such. They would like you to hear, so here it is. That's one thing. Instead of saying, "Well, here's a new one that's coming up the charts." Those are two different types yeah, of things. Exactly. So if you're saying if you're getting paid to play it and you're saying it's coming up the charts, that would be wrong. But if you 
But if you're saying such and such dropped this tape off and they want you to hear it, that's totally different. You're yeah. at least acknowledging that that it's um, like a request. I mean, I, I guess maybe if there's some sort of a disclaimer, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, something. I mean, there's still some kind of payola to a degree. And again, but it's WKRP not... had a really good episode about that, uh, where I... they hired on a, a, a another DJ, and um, apparently this DJ they didn't know had a connection to a record company hmm. and he was getting cocaine yeah in a special record to play to play this record and then um johnny fever figured out what was going on and then later on andy the station manager realized was listening and realized he was playing this one song a little too much again if your manager's not listening somebody else is that will tell them oh yeah and he was going to confront him confront the dj about it but then the DJ said, oh, yeah, uh, Dr. Johnny Fever's getting those records from somewhere, and I think he's getting cocaine for it. And Andy was like, I never mentioned anything about cocaine. And they fired the guy, realizing uh-huh. that the new guy was the one taking the payola. Hmm. That was a, that, that's a really good episode. And that, and that, that is exactly what payola is, really. And um, there was one time I kind of sort of got in trouble, and I actually got suspended once. Um, and uh, what happened, we used to play a lot of local music, too. And... Uh, <laughs> There were a couple of guys came by who they were in, I forgot the name of the band, but they were in a local band. I remember the, the guy who did all the talking. His name was, he was a big guy, and his name was Paul. And he, he comes in, and he's, he's like, hey, I'm with this band. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I know we played you guys a few times. He said, hey, could you play our song for us and this? And, and uh, I said, well, you know, let me see if I can figure out where I could uh, drop it in. Generally, unless there's a special show, radio stations have a playlist. A yeah. certain set of songs that you can and can't play, which I got a story about that. Too. Yeah, and the thing is, like, they're, in the way that they're, like, Jim talked about day partying. There's another type of day partying, which is when they say, okay, uh, this time of the day you should play this kind of music right. and this. And even by the hour, like, there are certain, like, it'll say, okay, for, uh, the, for this time of, like, eight or, like, Eight o'clock, play this kind of music. Right. Uh, I mean, it's, it's based on and eight ten. Play, based on your listeners yeah. and the time of the day. Like, if you're yeah. something that's played like at a factory and it's late at night, you want yeah. to play something that's more upbeat. However, if you don't really have that many late night listeners, you might want to play something that's more laid back. Yeah. And typically, what you do, uh, a music station will do is at the very top of the hour, their first song in the hour is like a song that defines the format of the station. Like usually at the cat, it'd be something hard rocking. New Jersey 101.5, the unofficial state station in New Jersey. When they play music on the, they're a talk station, but on the weekends they play music. At the top of the hour, do not be surprised to hear "Born to Run," because they're like the represent. Yep, and they love Springsteen's. But uh, that makes one of us. I've grown to accept him, but uh, since I got out of New not Jersey, not a huge fan. I mean, I like a few of his songs. I'll say this: I like him more than I like Bob Seger. Oh yeah, yeah. But um, what was this? So, so yeah, the guy says, "Hey, would you mind slipping in this song, and just say it was a listener request or something?" I'm like, you know, I can, I can probably do that. He said, "This song's kind of like Zeppelin, so maybe when you got this Zeppelin song coming up, that might be a good time." And I was like, "Okay." And he said, "And dedicate it to Vicky LeBrock." Oh so, <laughs> The guy who was with him was like, "Paul, we gotta go, man. We're." Good. He's like, "I, I want to stay in here and play. I want, I want to stay here and hear it played over the air." And I auditioned the song, and I recognized it. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I, I know this song. Yeah, I'll play it. was called Insanitic. Uh, that's all I remember. And I put it on the air, and, you know, and the guy leaves. And he's like, okay, he th- hey, thanks. It's nice to meet you and everything. And he leaves. And uh, a few days later, I get a call from the guy who, from a, a guy who was just newly named the program director, uh, who another person that nobody liked. I'm not even going to bother making up a name for him. But he was one of these slick-haired, like, yeah, I know everything about the biz kind of people, you know. 
wants to make you think he knows everything, but he's just basically got a big head. <laughs> There's a voicemail, and he said, Hey, Sean, man, uh, I just love your outgoing voicemail message. Uh, hey, could you give me a call, man? It's really important. So, Uh-oh. so I called him back, and, and he, said, he said, Hey, what went, what went on Saturday night? I said, What are you talking about? He said, Yeah, I heard these guys were in the station. And he told him exactly what I just told the story here. And he's like talking to me about, he's like, yeah, you got to be careful with that kind of stuff, man, because, you know, you can be accused of payola and all this. And mm-hmm. uh, he's like, you know, I like you, but I got to cut your, I got to clip your wings. That was his uh, exact verbiage. He, I got to clip your wings. And he said, but when you're back in two weeks, you're going to love the changes we have at the station. Oh, we no. got some sex shows coming up and everything. You're going to love it. I was like, wait, what do you mean in two? Because I, he's like, oh, dude, yeah, you're not on the air the next week. We're, t- I cl- we're clipping your wings, you know. You gotta learn from this, and he, basically, I was suspended, <laughs> and so I've been through it. I actually got suspended from the air once. Oh wow! I was I was actually thinking of like dropping a line to Bob Feeder because sometimes he would report when Mike Tomano was suspended, but, <laughs> but it's like, but then it's it like, nah, I'm not Mike Tomano. This isn't newsworthy, but. Uh, I remember, like, the day I was supposed to be on the air, they were doing a remote from Union Station in Joliet, and I just stopped by just to say hi because I worked at the library nearby. And um, everybody's like, hey, Sean, how you doing? I was was like, oh, so nobody's, you guys aren't pissed at me? And they said, oh, about that? They're like, yeah, nobody is pissed at you. You did nothing wrong, you know, (laughs) and all this. They told me that this guy was basically not allowed in the station at all because there were some... Uh, pretty nasty um, accusations about him involving uh, people too young, let's just say. Uh-huh. And they said, if he ever shows up at the station again, call the police. And I'm like, and of course I'm thinking, okay, great, I'll call the police. If he has a gun to my head, what am I going to do, you know? <laughs> so, and, and that was that. And I got, and when I got back on the air, Bruce was in the studio. He, he told me, he said, look, that was uncalled for. You shouldn't have been taken off the air, you know, he's, he said nobody's mad at you he said the punishment didn't fit the crime just don't worry about anything everything's cool and it turns out they fired the guy i don't think it that i don't think that was the reason but they fired the program director and that's when mike took over as program director but you know and mr hotshot slick guy you know i remember i uh, was doing a one of the remotes on uh, wykt and oh fun fact about wykt the cat I don't remember if it was just before I left the station or just after. Uh, they changed the format to classic rock. Yeah. And they changed uh, the call letters were still WYKT. Yeah. But they changed the, uh, oh, the name yeah. to the Pickle. You were still there because that's was how I, still I found there? out. Yeah, and it was the Pickle, and I'm like thinking like, that is stupid. I was like, Seriously, are you effing kidding me? And when they were doing heavy metal, <laughs> the uh, the logo was like this fierce like wildcat. Yeah. And I'm thinking still call it the cat, but get get like a little kitten, like a little teddy bear. Sort of yeah. like a like a like a plushie or something, and, and that. But uh, there was one time I was doing um, a, a remote. This is when they're still doing hard rock, and um, I took it upon myself to <clears throat> go into the deep tracks in our recordings in our system. Which this at this time we had an electronic system. It was called Audio Vault, I think it was, where they had virtual carts. Uh, which a cart is basically like a tape. Um, oh like yeah, a, yeah. Like we a, should a, talk about it's that. It's like a it, it's a, it's it's one of those. Um, 
loop tapes, looping tapes. Yeah, it, it works. It works. It works similar to an eight track, except you don't have yeah. to rewind. Well, you don't have to rewind. You can't. Rewind. You know what? It, 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 it is. It's basically it's an eight track. Much, it's the same dimensions it works, and everything. Well, it's it's a little bit thicker and a little bit wider. It's or similar. thinner it's and similar. wider. It's similar. similar yeah, and, uh, but it's a it's a loop. It's a loopless it's tape. It's a tape. Yeah, it, it's, a loop, it's, it's a loop. It's a loop tape. It's an endless tape. Endless tape. That's it. Thank you. Yeah, and what happens is like there's a little. It has these little signals on it that tells the machine stop playing or whatever. Cart machines are not really erased. They don't have an erase button. There's no there's no erase heads on them. So when you they record, have a separate erase machine. Yeah, and the, the, it's like a little brick, and you you right. push a button, and you hold the button down, you move the cart back and forth across. I it use a few one of those. U fifty four. And the, the bulk erasers, they'll work on any magnetic tape. They'll work yeah. on cassettes uh, and everything. Anyone that owns a Coleco Adam knows about bulk erasers. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, when you turned it on, the power supply was in the printer, yeah. and if you had a tape in the tape drive, it sent out an electromagnetic. Oh no! I went through quite a few Donkey Kong and Zaxxon tapes oh, and God. Buck Rogers tapes for that. But anyway, anyway, go ahead. Um, but so uh, one time we were doing a remote on the cat, and uh, I decided to go back deep into the virtual carts and play some of my favorite songs. And uh, I was playing uh, Sultan's A Swing by Dire Straits, one of my favorite songs, which I understand you don't care for that much. And uh, a few others of my older favorites. And then I get a call from Mike Tamano. He was the one that was on site. He's like, "Um, I'm going to have to get you a list of songs that you can play. You can't be playing that (laughs) stuff. Oh, okay. Um, I've been thinking about trying to find like a demo version of Audio Vault and getting back into mm-hmm. that. That was an interesting, uh, interesting program to use. Hmm. Um, I remember it was it was kind of like a drag and drop thing, but that was only for on air. I don't know anything about actually recording stuff and putting it actually into the Audio Vault. Yeah, uh, I'm wondering almost if some of the songs were already pre-recorded and you've got it like with a, a package. That oh, way you right, don't have right. to, but. Obviously, you had to put all of your local commercials and stuff. And yeah. Well, that was that was a yeah. You worked you worked at that station at a more advanced time than I did because everything we did was on CDs and carts, so I didn't have to use four eighty six baby. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I remember. It, it, yeah, just to give you an idea, no, this I was we were on like Pentium. I I was working at Sharp Electronics full time during most of my tenure at the Cat. Awesome. And uh, I was doing technical support. That for, was right over uh, yeah. here in Bolingbrook, right? In uh, Romeoville. Romeoville, yeah. yeah. Right on the Bolingbrook border, really. I think and actually uh, right near where I work now, actually. Yeah, yeah probably, seriously. And uh, I was doing tech support for their... Crossroads Parkway? I don't remember. Okay. But, uh, but I'm sure it's the same. I area. was doing tech support for Sharp Electronics' like, handheld devices, like the Wizard, the Zarus. Well, and Wizard. they had a new device out. It was a Windows CE device called the Mobileon. And it would connect to the internet. You could browse the web with it and everything. And I took it home for training once, and I brought it to the cat with me. And I would plug it into the phone line and get stuff from the internet and, like, get some, like, band facts and things. Because it it was, back then, it was really hard to find information on the internet about this stuff. So, like, I would do anything I could. And I remember Mick Oliver was stunned. He's, He's like, where are you getting this stuff from? I was like, well, it's from this website over in Hungary or something. He's like... He's like, you're going to run up the phone bill, man. What are you doing? He didn't quite, he couldn't quite understand the concept of calling a local phone number to get information on the web from like Czechoslovakia or something. (laughs) So he was just stunned by that. I just remember that. You brought up the internet. Tell me if this bothers you. One of the, one of the first things that we learned in broadcasting was about copywriting, writing commercials and that sort of thing and, and how to make your points and that sort of thing. When I go to YouTube, and they have like the the ads or whatever. First of all, I hate the ones that your video will continue after this, and I hate you know actually watching a thirty second video for a minute and a half or thirty second commercial for a minute and a half video. But that's a different thing. 
does it bother you, and even though I hate the ads and always hit the skip, that they, when you, you can skip this ad in five seconds, they don't tell you what the product is or anything about it in that first five seconds. I, I never really paid attention. So that I don't know. bothers the heck out of me because would. copywriting, you have to make sure you grab the person's attention within yeah. the first couple of seconds because otherwise they won't listen. Yeah. And if I don't know anything about the product or whatever, in the first five seconds, the, maybe they're selling something that I want or something mm -hmm. that I'm interested in. Yeah. If, if they don't capture my attention in the first couple of seconds on those ads on YouTube, I hit the skip button. There, it rarely happens to where I actually don't skip an ad. Oh, yeah, me too. But, uh, how but, many of us are going to say, well, yeah, we sit and watch the ads? But once in a while. There's but, always going to be somebody, though. Yeah. But it, it bothers me after going through copywriting, seeing these people writing these ads on YouTube and really commercials or anything these days, and they are not doing the basics, like trying to capture your attention. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, you make you make the connection with the listener. You, you grab the, and that's the grabbing their attention. Then you talk about the product as briefly as you can. It has to be what do they call it? A call to action. You can't. No, I'm I'm sorry. I'm confusing uh, like um, I'm, I'm confusing commercial versus uh, nonprofit well, uh, copyright. Well, yeah, but, but, but we should then, explain that. Yeah. Well, a paid commercial, you can say, "Come on in and buy whatever." However, if it's a nonprofit, you can't do stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. You have to speak in generalities you can say we are having a sale you know there's there's a community garage sale at whatever yeah. and we're open from whatever you can't say stuff like you need to be at this garage sale and you can't mm -hmm. can't do that if, yeah. if it's paid you can't these are these are just the government regulations um, you can do a call to action which is like you have to be here on a paid I'm, yeah. I'm confusing the issue a little bit, but I mean, there's there's definitely regulations on that, and I can see their point. You can't. Where was I going with this? Toledo. Um, yeah, but uh, but yeah, for I mean, for commercial copywriting, you have to make the call to action. Uh, you have to talk about the product. You have to gain the person's interest, and then you have to make sure that first of all, if you're reading anything, make sure you do a large font, bold, oh yeah, and double space yeah. so you know where you're at. Yeah. Secondly. If it's a name that uh, you don't know, like Grindelman, write it out phonetically. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you'll yeah. end up with Gremlin. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, where did you get that from? <laughs> uh, but you write it out phonetically so that you pronounce you, so you, that you pronounce it correctly. Yeah. Because if you pronounce it incorrectly, you will hear from your sponsor. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, because they're paying for it. Yeah. And exactly. they have good right. They have good reason to call you. They don't yeah. think they're getting value. And then. You do the phone number a couple of times, or the contact a couple of times. And of course, this if, in nowadays, you know, with URLs and websites and that, a lot of people like on the commercials say just Google whatever for, and I'm like, well, I hate that because there could be a bunch of websites with your company. Yeah, name. you can have a spoof website. Too. Exactly. Yeah. Just uh, change like one letter or something. I mean, we've all mistaped, say, like YouTube or something, and gone to a, a site that was of questionable authority. Yeah, one of my coworkers once typed in, like, accidentally typed Y A H O E, and she was like, "Oh, I shouldn't be on this website." <laughs> one time, <laughs> I was looking for my company's profit sharing website, yeah. and I typed in profitsharing.com, and what happened was it came up to one of those, "You have just won a free gift card." Oh God! The website was. Profit sharing. 
but yeah, and that, that brings but, me to um, this, like something that, that I learned in college, I had to take a uh, writing and reporting for the electronic media class, which was taught by Bob Zach again. And that was really one of the easiest A's I ever got in my life, too, because like, it's so simple. It, it, what you just said was exactly right. Write all caps, uh, double space it, spell words well, but what out. But I was going with the URL, though, yeah. make sure that, again, if you have, if it's a complicated name, you have to spell it out. Yeah. But it behooves the person that with the website to make the website as easy as possible because it not only benefits you and the radio, it benefits them as a business as well. You don't want, like, yeah. uh, Brindleman for all of your service game needs.com where you could just go segagremlin.com. Yeah, exactly. Gee, where did I get that from? <laughs> oh, didn't we say we weren't going to talk about video games this far? <laughs> but anyway. I mean, it, it you know. To this day, like when I'm when I'm writing notes for this podcast, like I will sometimes like do that. I will st- sometimes like put like if it's something that should be spelled out, I will put the letters with hyphens in between them and things. And and also something they tell you about writing and reporting for TV and radio, keep your sentences short. I remember Bob Kiss. Jack told us any of you who have taken a regular like newspaper journalism class, disregard everything about the inverted pyramid. Just short sentences, most important piece first and everything. And most important piece first, and that's kind of what I was talking about a few minutes ago, and I said we should get into that about, like, say, public service things and all that. Like, what happens is uh, when you go into a commercial and everything, people sometimes call that a stop set. And your stop set would possibly consist of a few different things. Like, the very first thing you'll hear typically is a station promo. Because, hey, it's advertising the own sta- the station's own station, it's free, and they make it as exciting as possible to keep your intention. And then after that, you got commercials, your, your paid advertising, hence the word commercial, commerce, you know. So if you ever say, oh, I saw a commercial for, uh, for Family Guy, no you didn't, it was a promo for Family Guy. Mm-hmm. No one's making money off that. <laughs> and then after that, then you'll possibly hear a public service announcement. It is required, at least when I was in, on the air, I don't know about now, it was required that you would oh, you would open the station up to public service announcements from organizations who wanted publicity. And those are the ones that stations are typically not really fans of doing because they don't make money off of them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of stations actually don't even run them until like in the wee hours when not many people are listening anyway. Well, and those are the hardest uh, advertising spots to sell too. Yeah. And so they got a lot of downtime that they got to fill and so that's where the more yeah. you know type stuff goes. Yeah. In. And the thing is like at the I know at the cat we did we were pretty liberal about that. We did we did uh, public service announcements all the time so it wasn't a big deal. Remember, for us. don't pour sulfuric acid on your genitals. Yes. That kind of explains like some of the stuff you hear, I guess. Um, oh yeah, one thing I do have to talk about is like one of the things that we did at uh, the college station. I think maybe when I was a sophomore in college, like Bob Zach, like state, like the uh, the journalism department had asked Bob Zach to come up with some kind of Christmas programming oh, for no. the radio station, and so he was like, "Okay, you know what? We're just going to play just nothing but nonstop Christmas music 24/7 until January, whatever, until we go back on the air regularly," and it turned out to be a massive hit. I don't really know if that was, I, I seriously doubt that was the origin of stations currently playing non-stop Christmas music, but it's pretty much the same thing. What he would do, uh, the um, station had just gotten an automatic cart player. It had it was uh, basically three carousels of carts and um, it would automatically change carts and play one after the other. You would program the player to w- as to which carts to play. 
So he would use that for the Christmas music automation. And of course, uh, there were times when the cart machine broke, like the tape got jammed. So he had to. So on Christmas Day, once he had to, he and his new wife had to go to the studio and dig the, the machine out. He's like, my wife is the most beautiful, wonderful person in the world, but man, she turned into the Wicked Witch of the West real quick. <laughs> <laughs> but this uh, is your local A and P. So and he was. Yes, I yes. <laughs> Someone's been listening to Kermit Schaefer. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so he actually said that this is one of the reasons he did this. My senior year, he told the uh, the college station staff that he wanted people to help him out with the Christmas stuff, like do shifts on the air and, you know, make announcements and things. And if anything happens, fix it. And if you don't know how to fix it, find someone who can. And he would reward whoever he picked with a trip to Vegas. Oh, wow. To uh, the NAB convention, National Association of Broadcasters. Oh, sweet. And um, so I was one of the three people he picked. Uh, there was me, uh, there was Katie Murphy and Pete Colansis, a.k.a. Peter Kay, who I think went on to have a radio career. Um, and unfortunately, he died in his sleep a few years ago, if I'm oh. not mistaken. Uh, I, I lost contact with those, with those two a long time ago, though, but... Uh, so, you know, we went to Vegas, and uh, I remember when, when Bob gave us the tickets and told us that he picked us and everything, he's like, okay, guys, just humor me and go to at least a little bit of the convention. <laughs> that, that was the first time I ever flew, too, and I, I remember my neck was sore because I I was staring out the window for three and a half hours, like, oh, my God, this is so awesome. And I like, know, I was the same way. <laughs> but uh, and I didn't want to land. I was so excited. But anyway, so we, we get there, and I'm at the convention, and they, they have the badges for us. And they all said College of St. Francis on them. And we were so snubbed at that. Nobody would talk to us. And we kind of figured out, they're like, oh, look at you. You're, you're at a college station. Isn't that adorable? And uh, the only people who would talk to us was there was this one vendor who was targeting college stations. Really? So what I did, I took my badge and I cut out a little strip of white paper and I took a felt marker and tried to simulate the font as much as I could. You put in WCSJ. I put in WCSF FM, stuck oh, it SF. over there. And when you're just glancing at a badge, you can't really tell. And suddenly, everybody was talking to me. Really? <laughs> it was like, oh, man. And um, we were walking around. We saw this one booth that had um, a broadcast console. And the faders were kind of moving up and like leveling off and things automatically. And it was that's exactly what it was doing. It was automatically adjusting the levels. And we're like, oh, great. So you're showing us something that's going to basically eliminate our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> so we saw that. And uh, also at the time, there was this big talk about, uh, for a couple of years, there was this big talk about this impending third radio band. Oh, uh, Pulse Code Modulation. Of the what? PCM. I don't know. If I remember we, hearing something about that in the '80s. Yeah, we were, t we were. It was called uh, Digital Audio Band at the time. Oh, we okay. This is something it. different. Then. Yeah, and uh, the thing about Digital Audio Band is it was supposed to reach much further than any other kind of any other band would, like, like practically across the country. Um, the sound quality improvement was supposed to be the equivalent improvement that CDs were over 45 RPM singles. They were saying that's how good the sound was going to be. And uh, I remember Bob Zach was telling us he went to an NAB convention and heard a uh, demonstration of Digital Audio Band. He said that they were in a room and they were told, okay, everybody, close your eyes. He heard them play some music. He was like, oh, my God. He said he opened his eyes and he swear he was he, he thought he was going to see Jim Morrison standing in front wow. of him. Oh, and as far as I know... That's something else they don't do in radio is bump yeah. the microphone. Yeah. This isn't radio anymore, so hey, this is a podcast that we do for free except for our sponsors of course 
But um, so anyway, I went to a discussion about digital audio broadcasting at this convention. It was like people like having this really angry talk about it and arguing back and forth for like half an hour because it was such a controversy because they were free to take away local programming and everything. And well, I mean, be fair. Like I was, yeah. local programming is going away anyway. Yeah. Um, the radio station, the the radio station in Morris has a lot of stuff that's like not local, except maybe the morning show. There's just no money in radio, and especially as I was yeah. saying, in small markets, is uh, Bob's Butcher Shop and uh, the antique store down the street going to run your million dollar operation a year? No, it's not going to. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. simple economics. That's why there's very few independent radio stations anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just the unfortunately the nature of the beast. But yeah, for what it's worth, though, it's been over 20 years, and I've heard nothing further about digital audio broadcasting. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is maybe it turned into satellite, mm-hmm. which isn't really the best in the world. That no. Uh, but, no, um, I remember there was like the digital, not digital, maybe it was stereo AM I'm thinking of. or Yeah, AM stereo, but it's but, it's just basically, a, a, it's the AM quality just with two separate channels. Yeah. It doesn't really, it's not really an improvement in sound at all. But uh, There's a reason there's, there's not many music stations on AM. But I do want to talk about one thing in particular, and that's basically about, like, I don't know if this is still how things are done, but I want to talk about at least how I actually got into the radio business, as it were, and it was basically following the advice of Bob Zach. He had a uh, workshop for this, so, oh, wow. and, and I'm going to share everything he's, that I remember him saying at the workshop. Like, Take notes. Or just play back this recording, of course. And then take notes. And then take notes. And uh, how to do a demo, he said, here's a number you can call. It's a number to a tape supply place and order a bunch of five-minute cassettes, five minutes per side. So uh, what you had to do was put together five minutes of yourself on the air, introing songs, outroing songs, have a weather report in there. Uh, if you did a news report, do that. Okay, I have to say, you're talking about the tapes. Yeah. Uh, when I was at uh, the radio program in w- at, at Olivet Nazarene University, yeah. WNU, he wanted our audio on digital audio tapes, the little, oh, really? little tiny ones. Oh, wow, yeah. That's the only time I ever used them in radio. Huh. I, yeah. I did a, a one or two uh, air checks at WNU. K-A-N, Star Radio, and use regular audio tapes for those. Oh, dude, there was a guy at uh, WCSF who had a, uh, his name was Paul Vollmer. He had a uh, Spinning remix Spinning Spinning Vollmer, yeah. He would use digital audio tapes. He was amazing with those things. He really was. But yeah, so he said, you know, you just find five minutes of yourself talking. It has to be flawless. Uh, and, he, and he told us, yeah, whenever you're on the radio, always have a tape running because you never know yeah. when you're going to have that golden moment. Mm-hmm. And he said, "You're gonna stick that. You're gonna edit it together, like the, the best, the absolute best parts first, and then kind of like fade, like going down from there." And he said, "It can't be a specialty show because specialty show, you do whatever you want. You gotta like show people that you can handle whatever format they want you to handle. Mm-hmm. So make it, make sure it's the regular format." And he said, "You're gonna stick that tape in the envelope, get a 55 cent stamp at the time, and send it to the program director and all that." And he told us exactly what to do. He said. Find stations that you want to possibly work for. Just call the station at a random time and ask the guy who answers the phone, hey, who's your program director? And just write that name down. Call back at another time on another day and ask, like, for example, like, this is what I did with the cat. I said, hey, who's the program director? Oh, that'd be Rick Ferguson. I said, okay, thanks. Click. And later on, like a couple of days later, I called up. I said, hey, can I talk to Rick Ferguson, please? And they, and, you know, we chatted for a bit and I told and Bob said to tell the person, hey, I'm, I'm on the market for being uh, an air talent. I just want to see if you have any openings. And uh, 
and you know whether or not they say yes or no say can i send you a demo so that maybe if you get an opening and that was the case here rick said yeah we don't have any openings right now and i i said well can i send you a demo he said yeah sure and he told me the address and everything and he said follow up a week or two later if for no other reason just to confirm that he received it so i was like mm. I said, hey, Mr. Ferguson, I, Sean Courtney, I talked to you a couple of weeks ago. Oh, hey, Sean, is, did you get my demo tape? yes, I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but yeah, I got it here. You know. And basically, Bob said, keep calling every week or two just to log, just follow up. Hey, you got any openings now? Blah, 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 blah. And eventually, you can kind of drop the formality. Hey, Rick, how it's go- how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. And, hmm. and he said, what will happen eventually is you're going to get a call from the program director for a change. And that's exactly what happened. One wow. day, Rick called me and said, Hey, Sean, uh, it's uh, Rick Ferguson over at Cat. You want to come over and shoot the breeze? <laughs> and that was his exact words. As, and I was like, shoot the breeze? Oh, God. And, you know, I'm trying to get a job here. I'm like, oh, God. I said, do you mean like a formal interview? He's like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> He's like, okay, so we made an appointment for like 2 o'clock afternoon, October 4th, 1997, 1996, a day after my 22nd birthday. We're and old. so I put on a suit because, you know, I'm oh, trying God. to get a job. Right. So I show up at this What's a good way to describe? Rustic is too nice a word to describe what that station was dilapidated. Like. Dilapidated, maybe too harsh, but you know. <laughs> and here I am in this suit. And Intriguing. There's, and there's Rick with his, you know, long hair to his shoulders, and well, which is radio, of course, it doesn't matter. And he's just wearing denim shorts and a t-shirt, and you know, he's hey, Sean, how you doing? Blah 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 blah. And so we're chatting for a while, and then Bruce walks in. He's kind of he was kind of in a pissy mood that day. He's like, hey, Bruce, this is Sean. He's a, you know we're. He's coming in to talk to us about maybe working. He's like, well, I haven't heard his tape yet. And he's, wow. And uh, Rick's like, well, I, I heard it. It's got room for improvement. I think he pre- he do pretty well here. And, you know, like, well, let's, let's see. We'll try him out. And he's, like, talking to me about how he said, oh, this stuff we have. Sometimes we we, we had people naked here. And Bruce's like, yeah, we did. And like, so, Oh, God. And he's, we were just talking for a while, and I don't remember exactly what we said. But I, I just remember, like, on the way out, he handed me a T-shirt. And he said, well, welcome aboard. And I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> and a couple of weeks later, he calls me, and, he, and that's when he said, Hey, Marielle has to leave early, so can you do her last hour for her? And I was like, Sure. And, yeah. and I told all my coworkers at the library, hey, I'm finally going to be on the. And I was like, Really excited because I had really missed being behind the, the microphone. And I just remember just being so freaking excited. And I remember Roger at the library, God rest his soul. Um, he told me later, he said, yeah, I heard you. You sounded so freaking happy. Later on, I got another call. Hey, you know, such and such can't make it. Can you fill in on Saturday? Sure, sure, sure. And, of course, Thanksgiving was coming up, and a lot of people were going to be gone. So they asked me if I could take a shift on that day. And I said, absolutely. And, you know, when you're desperate for a job and you want to get your foot in the door, you're like, yes. The answer is always yes. So I said, mm-hmm. yes, of course. And I figured, well, they want me at such and such a time. That's fine because I can still have dinner with my family and then head on out to Wilmington. It's fine, you know. And my family understood. They were actually pretty cool about that because I still had most of the day with them. Except Thanksgiving rolls around and I have the flu and like oh, no. 101 degree temperature. I was like, get your flu shots. I yeah, yeah, seriously. But um, I didn't care. I was like, I'm still having dinner with my family. I'm still going to go on the air. And Sean threw up on there. No, I didn't actually, no. No, but I, I, I think I, I, I digit. In fact, let me check my hard drive right now. I think I might even have oh. that. But I think I have, like, recording from that day, too. But uh, my throat was on fire that whole time, and I was just downing drinks nonstop. But that's what you got to do. I mean, it's not just radio, but anything else. You're trying to get the foot in the door, and you got to do it no matter what. 
And I remember one time, um, my dad was working at Cub Foods at the time. He was like a customer service manager or something, and I had to stop there and drop something off. And um, I called our voicemail from there to see if there were any messages. And there was a message from Bruce. He's like, Sean, we're desperate. Can we, like, we, like our guy can't come in tonight. Can you come by the station and uh, fill in for him? And, of course, I said, you know, sure. I mean, I don't have a car, but I'm sure I can borrow one. Just count me in. And, yeah, and I, I borrowed my dad's car or something and got in. And I got there, and Bruce said, I'm glad you're here. It really impresses me that you can just be here at the drop of a hat. I really appreciate that. And it just made me think of something my mother had always told me. She's like, you know what? If you really want a job, you have to be rely- reliable, you know. And Bruce dropped that word, reliable. He said, you know, we're thinking that this guy's on his way out. We're going to have to fire him, and you can have his shift. He said, he's a really nice guy, but we can't rely on him. You know, and, and eventually, yeah, it's exactly what happened. In fact, even on Thanksgiving, like, Patty called me, and, and she said, Hi, I'm Patty. I'm the owner of the station, and, and hey, I really like what you're doing here. You, we, might, we might have a shift for you real soon. And, nice. You know, we, we, that was a thing, especially Mike Tamat. He loved making fun of her on the air. He, mm-hmm. he, I remember once he was talking about how, like, he and Pat, like, at a staff meeting once, Patty said to him and whoever their co-host, Why don't you guys do something fun? Well, there's a novel idea. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, so that, that's basically how I started, at least professionally. And, of course, people are probably wondering, okay, you're talking about this. Why aren't you in radio now? Well, Ka-ching. well, that's a big part of it. The thing is, like, I had a, a long-distance relationship going with someone who lived in New Jersey. In case I haven't mentioned before, I've been to New Jersey a few times in my life. And one of, us, one of us would eventually <laughs> have to move. And let's see, the girl I was long-distancely, long-distancely is now an adverb, by the way, that I was seeing, she lived in her own apartment two blocks from the beach and had a really good-paying job at the time. She's a teacher now. She no longer has a good-paying job. But uh, she had a really good-paying job with an apartment on the beach. I was 23 years old, still living with my parents. Gee, who's going to make the move? You know? <laughs> so you know, I told everybody, yeah, I'm going to be moving to New Jersey. And... Uh, and that was one of the things I said to Bruce when he said, and been nice working with you. I said, and I even asked him, I said, hey, there's a chance I'm going to be moving to New Jersey later this year, and I'm going to be looking for work out there. Can I put you down as a reference and everything? And there were a couple of stations in New Jersey I was kind of eyeballing. There was WHTG in Eatontown, New Jersey, in the shore, not far from where I lived. It was kind of the same format that the cat was after the Star Radio takeover. And there was another station, I think it was in Belmar, a little bit south of me, a few miles. It was called The Rat, which was basically the cat. <laughs> and I kept saying, okay, I'll, uh, maybe next weekend I'll make a demo and send it out. This, uh, maybe I'll, And I never did actually get around to it. And part of it was because I remember some of the advice that Bob Zack had given everybody. And I had learned from Bob Zack that everything he had told me was absolutely true. The only thing that he told me that didn't turn out true was that I would be losing my job if the station was taken over. There was a rare exception that they worked out that deal. But uh, he had said, if you want to be in the radio business, you have to be prepared to pack up all your stuff and move to a different state without notice. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, I, I can't do that now. Again, I'm, I'm Bob- w- WKRP, the theme song. Yeah, from town to town, up and down the dial. Yeah, exactly. That's that's very very true. And I'm thinking, I'm about to get married here, and I don't want to have to pick up and move everything for a crappy paying job. And basically, that's how I got out of radio. My story about how I got in and out is a lot more a uh, lot more boring. I honestly don't remember the uh, the interview I had with Mike Tomano or any of that. And um, as far as getting out, 
I was working in Kankakee, had to move to Morris, boom, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to drive like didn't... 30 miles, 40 yeah. miles, just to, they were, they're cutting my hours down at that point, yeah. too, um, unfortunately, because I think they had just automated NASCAR. The only oh, thing really? I was doing at that point was uh, just running the tapes for the Sunday morning shows, and I was yeah. only there like 90 minutes a week at that point. Wow. So, yeah, so it, was, yeah, it, it, was, it wasn't worth it. I did put in an application at the radio station in Morris but in a, in a tape, but never heard anything back hmm. from them. So. Yeah, and, that, and that's another thing, too, is like even just driving from Joliet to Wilmington, that's like, what, 15 miles, I think? from back and forth something like that something yeah. like that and I was like I did find it kind of a drag even though yeah, the last even though the last job I had in Jersey before I moved back to Chicago was 38 mile one way commute <laughs> but and that was another thing like the first time I, I was on the air at the cat and uh, I was filling out my timesheet for the one hour I was there I was making 425 an hour or whatever whatever the mm-hmm. minimum wage was that's what I was making Again, was like, there's no money in radio yeah it's four and change and I was making, I was filling out the timesheet, and uh, Bruce told me, he said, you know what, put down two. You know, you drove, you drove all this distance for just one hour. You know, I'd hate to see. Like, yeah, I've had, I've had Mike Tomano tell me that a couple of times yeah. as well. So I was like, okay, thanks. And, I do know. remember though, uh, one thing I did love about NASCAR. There was one race every year where what would happen is um, there would be like a huge accident on the course, and yeah. so they'd have to shut the track down for an hour, and then a storm would blow in, and they'd shut the track down for another hour. And then they'd have to wait another hour for the track to dry. Yeah. And so I would have started like at 11 in the morning, and I would have gotten out of the station at 1 in the morning. That happened a few times. And um, so that was always good. But there's a few times when I would go in, I would only be in there for a little bit because of a, of a remote. But, you know, I would be told, just put a couple extra hours down. And, yeah. and I, I do have to say, in the nine years I was in radio, I only got a raise one time, yeah, and I too. wasn't really making a whole lot of money. And I'm, this is not a slight against my bosses no, or anything, because yeah. because they were pulling multiple tasks, as we said. I mean, yeah. they were their on-air talent, they were the station manager, they were you know whatever. So they were filling jobs they couldn't fill. There's just, there was just not a whole lot of money in the, in radio for the uh, for the talent raise bucket. Yeah. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. No, there's, there's no hard feelings or nothing oh, about yeah, absolutely. that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, this is at least that, this is what they told me Really, to if you're going to get into radio, it has to be a passion. Yeah, You exactly. can't go in it for the money. Yeah. And, and I enjoyed it. That is something that we were told on day one in, in, uh, in school, too. They told us, you know, any journalism job, expect to get really yeah. crappy pay. Again, and that, and yeah. it's not a slight. No, absolutely not. It's just not. The, nature, it's yeah. the nature of the beast. Fact, As I said, don't go in it for the money. Go in it because it's your passion. Yeah, in fact, like when Star Radio took over, like shortly after the takeover, like Gary, I forgot his last name. Sorry, Gary, if you happen to yes, hear this. Yes, Gary. Oh, gosh, I know really who you're talking nice about. Guy. I've met him a few times. Yeah, I, yeah, I really Gary, liked um, him a lot. Oh, that's gonna bug me. His for the rest wife of the day. made some amazing lemon squares. Oh my! I was never had them. It was like there, he like I think it was it might have been at Gary's house. He was having a gathering, and I was I had already eaten a lot, and I, my stomach was bursting. And uh, I remember Tomano came up to me and said, "Sean, have you tried those lemon squares? They're really good." Wasn't I said, "Gary Man. Wright, was it?" Yes, yes, that's right, Gary Wright. Yes, literally okay. right. And, and I was like, Mike, I can't eat anything. He's like, no, you want the lemon squares. Trust me. Just You're not leaving here until you've had a lemon square. And I, and I, I tried one. I was like, oh, my God, these are amazing. And he said, Gary's wife made them. Isn't, aren't these great? I was like, yes, they are. But uh, I remember Gary held a meeting, like, just to introduce himself and say, hey, you know, here's who we are. We're Star Radio. And, you know, here we took over from Bruce and Patty and uh, – 
you know, we're going to make some changes. And he said, the first thing we're going to change is your pay. You're getting, a, everybody here is getting nice. a raise. You're still not going to be making nearly enough, but at least it's something. <laughs> it's what we can do right now. So, like, I was then making $6 an hour <laughs> instead of, like, Ka-ching. four. Yeah. And um, I remember one thing that he said in this meeting. He said, well, one thing we're definitely going to be doing is cleaning up this radio station. He said, I know coon shit when I smell it, and I smell coon shit. <laughs> so, seriously, I have no real complaints. Oh, God. I, I'm jumping all over the place here, but there's one story I do have to tell. Uh, this was before Star Radio took over. I, uh, I remember the guy's name. I'm not going to say it. Um, all I know is he was always a nice guy to me. But I think he got, he was a, uh, one of the sales guys, I think, and he got fired. And he got pissed off for getting fired, so he took a cigar oh, and no. burnt a series of holes, cigar holes, in the carpeting on his way out the door. And Patty called the police on him. And uh, I guess the cops said, okay, well, here, we'll meet you on such and such a day so we can investigate. And I was there that day on the air, and Patty was there. She was, like, showing the cop everything. And then she said, but... I don't want him to go to jail or anything. Oh, God. And the cop's like, what? You don't you want him to go to jail? What, 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 then why'd you call the cops? Well, I just want it on his record or something. <laughs> and it's like, oh, oh, yeah. Another story I have to tell, and this is really terrible, and I, to this day I feel really bad about it. But it was, uh, I remember that Saturday night in August 1997, I was, wa- I was watching SNL and they interrupted with live coverage of a car accident and they were saying that it was involving Lady Di. And on the bottom of the screen, and it confirmed, uh, it's confirmed Lady Diana, broken leg. And then like two minutes later said, confirmed Lady Diana, dead. I was like, what? Lady Di died. As soon as I saw that, I called the station. I, w- I wasn't sure who was going to be on the air. But I called the station. It was Easy Riding Ed Walneck. Uh, the Walneck family has been into motorcycles for 35 years now. They do uh, motorcycle shows and swap meets and things. And Ed had a short specialty show called uh, The Hog Report, which was about motorcycles. He did it on, like, Tuesday afternoons or something. But he was on the air that night, and I called him up. I said, hey, Ed, have you heard the, the big news? And he said, no, what happened? I said, well, like, you know, Princess Diana, like, she, she was just killed in the car. He's like, What? I said, yeah, and and I just kind of off the cuff, I was like, you know, man, everybody calls her Lady Die, and I guess she kind of did that. She died, I guess. He's like, yeah. He's, he said, well, hey, thanks for telling me. Like, as soon as the song's over, I'm going to, like, announce it, you know. He said, I hate to say it, but this is good radio here. So I listened to him, and he actually said, so I guess you can say that Lady Die lived up to her name. She died. Oh, I was God. like, oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Oh, man. I, I feel so bad for planting that in his <laughs> Oh, God. It's like, no, Ed, no, no, no. Uh, you got quite a few pages of notes there, dude. I have, like, four and a half sides of notes. I actually went through most of this already, if not all of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going off the cuff, as you can tell. Yeah, because there are some things I wanted to, and, like, my wife told me, you have to mention the collect calls. Oh, yeah. She loved that. <laughs> oh, yeah. One thing I do have to mention, this will come as a shock to nobody. But my senior year in college, on the radio station, I had a specialty show. And when uh, Bob Zach was asking for specialty show proposals, I came up with this idea. And I wrote it out. I, I had a, this huge essay, like, explaining my thought. Like, talking about how every market has a Breakfast with the Beatles kind of show, where it's all mm-hmm. Beatles. What if I take it back a little bit in the alphabet and say, let's, let's try... Beach Boys, especially focusing on the stuff that the radio stations don't play, like their 70s stuff. 
and their deep cuts and all this. And I'm thinking, there's no way in hell, no way in hell. And I remember word for word what he wrote back in response. He said, and I quote, approved. <laughs> I was like, what? So, and not only that, but when the annual WCSF awards banquet, who got specialty show of the month? Oops, um, I meant specialty show of the year, not specialty show of the month. Uh, sorry about that. You did. This guy right here with endless harmony. Apples you with know? ABBA. Apples with ABBA. Yeah, Gin with Genesis. I, mean, no, <laughs> I, would, appar- I would do that show. Gin and the thing Genesis. is, like, he didn't decide this. It was voted on by other people, like other staffers, like other people who had shows. Dinner with the doors. I was like, how could I possibly have beaten the rock and roll rambler Ketchum? He had a, he did a Matt Ketchum did a great classic rock show. Zucchini with ZZ Top. There you go. And, uh, <laughs> Quesadillas I, with Queen. <laughs> all right, tell me your specialty show for XTC, please. Um, I'll let you think about that while I finish my thought here. So. So yeah, specialty show, and uh, I got specialty Ooh. show of the year beating out 19 other shows, and uh, I, I have that plaque hanging up uh, where we normally record this podcast. X- Xylophones with XTC. Very nice, and we still keep it musical, so that's good. So that's <laughs> one thing that, uh, that's another thing I just wanted to get out of there, and let's see. Uh, oh yeah, the other thing I have to talk about is like, like there was this guy named Ed Weigel, I don't know if he's still in the business, but he was based out of Indianapolis. Fromage with Foreigner. There we go. <laughs> Fromage avec foreigner. Ah, there we are. So, and, and since it's French and they are foreigners. Yeah. Ooh, wow. Ooh, whoa, whoa. But uh, it's, wor- <laughs> it's worth mentioning how like we outsource the recording of like our station identifiers and stuff. Like Ed Weigel. None of that stuff was really ever really done in-house. Usually it wasn't, yeah. We could, we for a while it was. I mean, uh, you, they, they do it once in a while, like if it's a specialty thing, but, but for the most Weigel, part, they, they, they outsource that to someone who sounds professional, but mostly. Uh, yeah, Ed, and Ed Weigel was perfect, because his natural voice was like this, you know. WYKT, Wilmington, Joliet, Chicago, The Cats, 105.5. And, uh, <laughs> and my brother... I think to this day, my brother says that it was me doing that voice. I was like, no, dude, it was, I will play you the tape that we got from him where you can actually hear him kind of grumble to himself in between takes. And it was, and I found the reel-to-reel tape in the station, and I queued it up and listened to it, and it was great because he left all the outtakes in there. Local Limelight with Mariel Salas. Salas, sorry about that. Got her confused with the tennis player. I know that's Salas, isn't it? Monica Salad, whatever the f*** her name is. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so Taz actually went in and used every outtake to put together other promos <laughs> and things. And, and there's one time where he's like, Mother cop outside, that's the bitch of living on a... Right next to a busy thoroughfare, right here off College Avenue in Indianapolis. F***ing hate this place. <clears throat> okay, <laughs> having said that. You come out of one of those GD up-tempo so records. It was pretty much like that. <laughs> he left all those in. So Taz was pre- was using everything he could from those outtakes and making new station identifiers with him. I'm sure much to Tim Lamping's dismay because he was in charge of doing that stuff. Oh, no. And Taz didn't like a lot of his production, so he overwrote the cards. Oh, the other thing I should talk about, uh, I talked about before how I wanted to, I had a little bit of a remote story. There were two times they sent me out to announce play-by-play for high school football games. 
because the normal... I was actually asked to do yeah. that, but I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm not into sports. <laughs> and the thing is, like, I was targeted because they knew that I worked for a football team in college, uh-huh. and the guy, the normal play-by-play couldn't couldn't do it. So they were. Oh, a quick fun fact: uh, one of the co-hosts on my last uh, political podcast, uh, Lex Zorn, yeah. uh, he actually does uh, high school uh, sports for radio now. Oh, really? Yeah, huh. it's one of the many things he does. He's but also yeah, so, an actor. So, like, Mike Tamano was just basically calling everybody in the on the staff list and saying, "Hey, could you fill in?" Could you? And I was like. Man, I don't think I'd feel comfortable doing that. I don't really know what I'm talking about. He's like, all right, all right. And then like half hour later, he calls back. And he's like, Sean, seriously, are you are you busy that day? I said, well, no, not really. I just don't feel comfortable. He's like, he said, come on, man. Didn't you tell me you used to work for a college team? And and he said, come on. All we need you to do is say, okay, like Plainfield has the ball in the ten. You know, that's all you need to do. And he basically pleaded with me because he couldn't get anybody else to do it. So I agreed to do it. And I, oh, no. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. He, he gave Please the, tell me there's a tape of this somewhere. I don't think there is, actually. I yeah. really don't. <laughs> I actually bought a Walkman just so I could hear the station live. So I could know, like, feel exactly what was going on and hear everything. But I brought the remote equipment with the antenna and everything. It wasn't the cell phone. And I saw a guy in the press box that I remember from high school, and I was like, and I, we didn't know each other very well, but still, like, I didn't want to, like, look like a total dweeb. Yeah, in, fr- in front of this guy, so it's like, man, gonna, this is going to be, man, he really is a moron, isn't he? <laughs> but I know football. I worked on a college team for years. I watch NFL football, although I try not to because the Bears have been really angering me. But, so I, I know what goes on, but actually calling it play-by-play and you're trying to figure out what yard line it is because you're seeing the actual field. You're not seeing what's on TV. It looks like they're at the 50-foot line. And the thing is... like <laughs> That would be me. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, get somebody out. And I, I'm like stuttering all the time. So I didn't know anything about any of the players. So... <laughs> looks like it's the 12th down. <laughs> and there was one time when... There, there were times when you could actually... Like people said they could actually hear this too. They could tell what I was doing because there was another station in there also calling the game. So if I couldn't tell what yard line it was, I would wait for them to say it, and then I would like add or subtract one to it so it would look like I wasn't cribbing off of anybody. <laughs> so, but that didn't work. We were like, yeah, we know what you were doing. Look at that son of a bitch run! <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, this is aw-. I I was so happy when the game was over. And I get back to the station, and Patty said, "You did a really good job. We might have to send you out with the, the oh, other no. guy so I could do color commentary." <laughs> but they never—they send me out one more time to do a game when the guy—I I think his name was Brian something. I don't remember his real name, but when he wasn't able to do it, they sent me out another time. And it was right after my normal shift too, so I had to—I had to get off the air and then hightail it over to the game, Wilmington High School, I think. And. Um, for whatever reason, they didn't have a playlist for the next hour, so they're like running around trying to figure out what to do, boot up the computer, generate a playlist earlier. And uh, Patty was gonna, just going to take over behind on the air just until I get there before the game. I don't know what to do. And I, I, there was a copy of Who's Next. I said, here, take this CD, play the first song. It's a good song. It'll be a good song to start with. I got to go. And I hear her play it. She's like, oh, you're right. This is a good song. Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, when I tell you to listen to The Who, you listen to The Who, all right? <laughs> In fact, I used to make, I used to try to end my shift with The Who as much as I possibly could. And I remember Mick Oliver would always end with an Aerosmith song. Half the time it was Train Kept a Rolling, but uh, we all had our little signature things, and The Who was mine. Of course, I couldn't play my band if I wanted to, because they only ever had one charting hit, King's X. King's X. It's Love. Uh, 
Well, one thing that we were told, like in a staff meeting, Marielle held a staff meeting once, just to, you know, here's stuff you can do on the air and all this, and like keep people up to date. And she was telling us how, you know, if you want to give something away, just give anything away, you know, little track <laughs> listeners. She said, we've actually given away used rolls of toilet paper. So one time. Station manager's car for the first call. Yeah, right. <laughs> there was one time when I think there's this book we had at the Joliet Public Library, Chase's Calendar of Events which had every conceivable anniversary date, uh, special date. National Aluminum Siding Week? Exactly. Oaks. There was one, there was like National Canned Food Month. So every Saturday that month, I would give away autographed tins of Spam. <laughs> and like I, I'd have Mariel autograph one, Tim Lamping did one, uh, I had Tomato. Oh, that's do awesome. One. That's a great promotion. <laughs> oh man, there was something else that I wanted to get into. I'm tempted to just load my pockets up with these things of butter that's sitting right here. Mm, butter. So you're a grandmother now? But, uh, no, I'm not stealing mints. Oh, okay. Yeah, my mother-in-law's always got a thing of mints in her purse. Ooh, and this is whipped butter. I should know it's married. <laughs> Ooh, Ooh, zing. Okay, I was talking about the productions and all this. Oh, man, there was another thing I wanted to talk about that I, I, I really loved. Uh, Galloping Ghost is across the street, and it's taunting me. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, let's see, got this, that, that. Mm, uh, sweet, uh, creamery butter. I'm going to eat butter on this podcast. Mmm, butter. I'm going to have Hyde edit that so it sounds like you just say butt instead of butter. Mmm, butt. I'm, I'm almost out of things to talk about, but this one thing I wanted to mention was like how weird it is to hear yourself talked about on the air. Oh? Because the very first thing, like shortly after I got hired and they up, updated their staff list, like in the radio studio, there's a list of staff and their phone numbers. And just right in the middle, just out of nowhere during Tomano's morning show, he said, who's Sean Courtney? And I was like really groggy. I'd just woken up and the radio was, uh, and that'll wake you up real fast. <laughs> Because like he he had no idea who I was, and so I called I called, and I was still groggy. I was like, uh, "Hey, Mike, yeah, I'm the new guy. How you doing?" <laughs> and he's like, "Man, you sound like Stephen Wright." No <laughs> he said, like, "Could you say this for me?" He's, I poured spot remover on my dog, and now he's gone. I poured spot remover on my dog, and now he's gone. Oh, God. and he like cracked. Up. I remember one time I called into Mike and Steve's morning show. Yeah. This is after I was gone. And I did my... Uh, and that would have been Steve, too. Yeah, yeah. I did my impersonation of um, Rod Serling uh, reciting a famous Prince song. <clears throat> See if I can do it. Dig, if you will, the picture of you and I engaged in a kiss. The smut of your body covers me. Can you, my darling, can you picture this? Dream if you can a courtyard with oceans of violets in bloom. Animals strike curious poses. They feel the heat. The heat between me and you. How can you just leave me standing alone in a world so cold, maybe I'm just too demanding, maybe I'm like, like, just like my father, too bold. Maybe I'm just like my mother, she's never satisfied. Why don't we scream at each other? This is what it sounds like when doves cry. Uh, Hyde, we might have to cut that out because of the estate of Prince or something. That... Uh-oh. <laughs> but, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the other thing was, there was one time when uh, Bye, Bruce decided... You know what? If there is an overnight shift or something when we can't get somebody on the air, we're just going to play back a recording. Mm-hmm. So, what, yeah. So what? What he did was he rigged up a VCR and set it to um, LP mode or EP extended play, the six-hour mode. Apparently, it still has good audio quality despite crappy video quality. He's like, I can fit six hours of a shift of someone's shift here, and um, 
I came in to uh, do my shift once and he said... These booths aren't nailed down. I accidentally... Well, the, the booths are made for walking is what you're saying. Uh-huh. But, uh, so Bruce said to me, he said, all right, when you do your shift, don't say what time it is and don't give the weather. Uh-oh. And uh, he said, just say like it's like like it's 10 minutes after the hour or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he was going to use that for like, he said, we're not going to have anybody in the studio tonight or whatever night it was. So I'm going to just play this. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night once and I flipped on the station just out of curiosity and I heard myself and it was the weirdest feeling in the world hearing myself on the air broadcasting. Mm-hmm. It's very, um, not real, I guess, but, uh. No, and uh, this is abrupt, but that's all I have to say about my radio experiences at this point. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much kind of out of stuff to talk myself. Yeah. So. So yeah, uh, and we both agree that one of the reasons we didn't really actively continue to pursue is money. Ka-ching. So instead, we do a podcast, which pays even less money. Yeah, but we don't have to drive to make yeah. less money. But however, we do get a little bit of help though financially from some people that uh, we have to thank now. So. Uh, Thank you to uh, Richard Valdez, Underground Retrocade, uh, Rory Coleman, Kyle Etter, Jonas Rulo, Keith Sheehan, Tim Foley. Oh, I wonder if we're going to see him today. <laughs> uh, Richard Grounds, Atari Bytes Podcasts, Greg Polander, Michael D'Angelo, and Nate Lockhart. Thank you guys for helping us out. And of course, thanks to somebody we've mentioned several times today already. Thank you to Steve Tui yes. and Tuiville. So there we have it. Uh, I guess th- hey, there you are. Yeah, and uh, a letter open. So our next episode is going to be sometime in January 2018, I guess. I guess. And we're going to talk about Juno first, and uh, Juno, and uh, Battle Zone, Battle Zone. Yeah. And remember, uh, Patreon sponsors may choose the theme for a prize, a lovely Atari 2600 cleaned up, and it can all be yours if the price is right. Cleaned up and uh, wired for use on uh, modern TVs, and to the point where you can modify it back to its original form if you so desire. Indeed. And uh, if you're not a Patreon sponsor, but you want in on that, then become a Patreon sponsor. Uh, Those of you who do sponsor us on Patreon, you may have noticed that we have suspended the uh, Patreon for now. Yeah, since we're not really doing a real show until 2018, we don't want you to have to pay for it, so that's what we're doing. We will resume once we are back in our normal routine. Yeah, Uh, our Patreon sponsors are not paying for our breakfast bill. That's right. They're not. Yeah. But uh, hey, anyway, uh, thank you everybody for putting up with us, especially those of you who prefer video games over uh, radio chalk. Uh, This is... um, this is dedicated to Phil, the No Swear Gamer. Yes, gave this, us the this, idea. This is for you, Phil. Thank you for that idea. And uh, I guess in honor of my former radio career, I will sign off on what I use, what Lenny Svoboda called me and I stuck with. This is Screamin' Sean. And this is Jimmy G. And you've been listening to the NASCAR Radio Network. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You haven't been. But that's this how it's signed a up. network. It's his Pie Factory podcast. Yeah, the, Pie Fetch, the Pie Factory network. From such Tony, great podcasts as we'll let you know when we get a great podcast. Yep, and from Tony's Restaurant in Brookfield, Illinois, across, across the, street the street from, from Galloping, Galloping Ghost. Ghost. And uh, we'll uh, chat with you uh, at another time. Bye-bye. Ta. This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is the Happy CTA Holiday Train, composed by Sean Courtney. Love theme from Addenda and Arata was composed by Jim Goble. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, 
on Twitter at PieFactoryPFP or on PieFactoryPodcast.com. Support the show at Patreon.com slash PieFactoryPodcast. Oh, dude, speaking of like... Hey, th- uh, before we do that, yeah. can I... Uh, I need to visit the Tinkle Pit. All right. I had too much iced tea. All right. Let me...